Bonjour tout le monde! We are back after our lovely holiday in France for episode 586 of Conversation Street. How come you're doing the intros? My gates, my You number. said that you were poorly. You I can have, say it um, if you want to. I said I was poorly, like I'm not really No, safe. you what? Je- Jevo is ill. I'm really ill. <laughs> That's not funny. It's just she is. But we could. We, the, the podcast must go on. Would you like to say what we're talking about today? Not talking about how I'm ill. <laughs> uh, we are talking about the episodes broadcast in the UK. Yes. Between the 24th and the 28th of July. Episodes 1100. Uh, 11,000. <laughs> 11, oh. <laughs> You'll get that contract again. 11017. So, we've been in France the last week and a half. We've been to Lille. Thank you, everybody, for being patient. And, and also. And we, yeah, we went, we went to Lille for. Yeah, we, it was lovely. It was, it was a little bit on the rainy side, but I hear it's right. been somewhat soggy here Good. as well. What's the fact? Yeah, Joe, I, I loved it. Yeah. It was like, it was sometimes sunny, sometimes rainy. I was like, I don't want to go on holiday, it's going to be hot. <laughs> and then it rained the whole time. <laughs> you must be like the only person to go away on holiday. Yeah. And when you wake up and draw, un, uh, yeah. undo the curtain, what's it called? Draw, no. Open the yeah. curtains, that's the way, in the morning and it's tipping it down with rain. You're oh, like, hooray, right, best perfect. holiday ever. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> it well, was... it rained sometimes, like it didn't rain when we wanted to do things. It didn't. It, to be fair, it was kind of a nice balance between the two yeah. of us. So you wanting a rainy holiday and me wanting a normal holiday. But it was lovely. We went to we went to Lille for, how long were we there? Three days? Had a nice um, hotel stay. No, it wasn't. It was too hot. It was a very hot hotel room. It's and Gemma's, Gemma's complaint is you could only open the hotel window a crack, wasn't was it? I was fantasising about getting a screwdriver. Well, I've done it before. Um, Just yeah. open the hotel window with a screwdriver. Luckily, the, the hotel room did come fully equipped with a big electric fan. So you had that plugged in. And basically, it spent most of the time that we weren't out exploring the city sitting in front of the, the fan. Complaining. Right, yeah. Complaining that it was hot. Yeah. It was still very nice. And we, we even... Went, we, yeah. come on, we, oh. we, went to, we went to Belgium for a day as well, didn't we? On the train. Yeah. Went to, where did we go? European. Ghent. I don't. I still didn't figure out how Gaunt. to. Yeah, gum. I don't. I don't know what the English way of pronouncing it is. Oh, that was quite oh, cool. We had rice rice pudding tart. Yes. Yeah. Why don't we have that over here? That's that the was the Flemish speciality. A delicious. I don't rice. understand. They yeah. stole that idea of us, probably. So we did that. That was that was a nice three days, and then we went over to a little village. Would you call it? I no, don't it's know. a commune. A commune called. It was a commune <laughs> of Fuvercent, or, or however but they it was pronounce it over there. Yes, that's right. And we stayed in a little jeet, which is lovely. We stayed there for a week. It was like a, had a convert. It's like a converted barn kind of thing. No, it's a bakery. Like, oh yeah, converted. It used to be a bakery. That's right. I don't know what you're talking. I don't about. know what I'm talking about. Um, and it was lovely. Very very pleasant stay. And there was there was roosters out the back, cockadoodle doing us awake Five every morning. Five o'clock in the morning, pretty much every day. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, and there were donkeys, and, and we went driving around. It wasn't place. a donkey. You say. Oh this. no, it wasn't donkeys, was it? It was it's ponies. It's a pony. Yeah, it was ponies. You keep saying donkey. I know, I don't know why I think it's a donkey in my head. Um, yeah, and we went off <laughs> driving all over the place. We went to the beach one day, just, you know, you, you, you squidged your toes in the sand, and I that's did. as far as we got you to didn't. the sea. I didn't, I had my shoes on. You bothered to take your shoes We tried to get scanned by some parking attendants. Oh, yeah, that was the place that we went to, literally. This, you know, we, we told them. We got there, oh, yeah. we got out of our car, we saw the parking attendants, they were like two cars along from us. Yeah. They saw us pull up, get out the car, and then we had to walk... 
about Directly. 30 seconds down the down the road to get a parking um, ticket. Okay. By the time we came back, they'd given us a ticket of their own. We're like, no, bitch, no. <laughs> so we had to go over and find the parking attendants and explain to them, um, in perfect French, obviously, yeah. that they just ticketed us. And they're, and they're like, oh, it was what you should have said. You must have walked right past us. And yeah, like, that's what you yes, do. Yes, we did. Cause we, we didn't could... say anything. We You saw us coming. I don't understand if it's like the French tradition that you have to tell parking attendants... Like in England, you would not say anything. You'd just go to the parking meter and get your ticket. Yeah. You wouldn't have to like do a speech to them. Like but anyway, they they tore up our ticket or they kept it. And said well, we don't. Not... They might. We might still get a ticket, in which case we won't be able to prove anything because the... they took everything off us. Well, yeah, exactly. But anyway, we told. Yeah, we, we did. Yeah, we we did get a bit of French speaking in, didn't we? There were some places that. That humoured us and, and let us have a go at speaking French to them. Well, they weren't going to speak English to us. And, and other places that as soon as they saw that we were English, they went straight into it. I didn't mind. I, 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 I enjoyed I enjoyed the practice of my French. And, and you, you had a good go at some restaurants as well, ordering your, ordering your steaks and whatever. Although the, you, you had a few... You weren't too, had to, too impressed with the, the culinary experience over there, were you? To have a, a really good meal the whole time. I was no, there. we know Gemma likes her food, and you you kind of left disappointed. Every, every meal was like, oh, yeah, okay. Like the first day we were there, you had a steak and you asked for it medium rare, and it came like completely. I didn't ask for it medium rare. I asked for it à point. À point. Which but... is slightly rarer than medium rare. Well, we've already always used à point for well, medium rare means. in the past, and it came back like completely brown. But I don't know. I had, I had some nice food there. I had a. Nice um, tart flambe. I had a few nice burgers, of course. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was definitely. I had, a, I, had a, I had a great time. I had nice puddings. I, I'm like definitely bulging at the stomach at the moment. Um, but yeah, it was lovely. Um, also, I, I, you know, Gemma's a bit sick now. I the the first week or so that we were there, I was I was poorly as well. I like when, when I was going there, I, I had bad throat and it was like painful every time I swallowed and then that developed into me losing my voice for about the third time in a year so you had a few nice peaceful days because I, I couldn't speak above a whisper um, and it's still still a bit sore now but I can speak normally as you can tell and and then when we were going over the crossing yesterday you started getting a dicky tummy didn't you I'm ill. Gemma is ill. And our ferry was delayed by like oh, three hours. Oh, but we'll get on to talking about Corrie soon. I don't, I, can we just talk about Corrie now? Yeah, no, the ferry was delayed. We, we got to the ferry port. We got to Calais like two and a half hours early, didn't we? Hoping that we'd be able to get an earlier ferry, which we did. But still the ferry got to Dover. How long was it after our original arrival we, time? Like half okay. an hour? We were on the ferry for what like do you four mean, hours. Half an hour? No, half an hour after what are you saying? the boat that we were supposed to get would have got in. So yeah, if we'd well, have got the boat we were supposed to have got, we'd have you know, probably get arriving back in England about 10 o'clock at night. I'm surprised there, was, there weren't a load of um, headlines about it in the news because the whole ferry port was backed up because one of the um, berths was, was broken down. Yeah. And they, you know how the press loves to talk about holiday chaos, Brexit nightmare, Holiday makers in in fury, children crying. Yeah, so instead we had to suffer in silence. While we're getting the news out now, PMA we had to wait four and out, four hours back. on our on our boat. It should have been an hour and a half crossing. I demand two pound twenty five back because I had to buy water. Yeah, they should have been going around giving us complimentary drinks. Or they something. should have done something. And then tell you what, when when we finally arrived, oh, a load boring. of people started. Bursting into applause like there was some American oh, cinema. I tell you no, what, Ken Bell, they wouldn't have been happy actually, with that. Actually, Michael, there were Americans on the boat. I'm sorry, American what? listeners, but you guys know that you we're more reserved than you. You can accept that as a fact, right? 
So yeah, I think it was them that were clapping. <laughs> we, do, we don't applause when we get I places. certainly don't applaud. We just kind of say, about time too. I don't applaud people that off. have done a very poor job. <laughs> I don't think the captain could have done anything else, to be fair. They but... could have dropped us off in Southampton and had time to go back to Dover. They, look, they could have done that, yeah. They had loads of time. Once we got to Dover, it was what, two hours, two and a half hours drive? Three, then hours. Back, three hours. drive back to and Southampton. And I was sick all the way. Yes. Hooray! Anyway, that was our holiday. It was lovely, but we did miss Coronation Street. I ca- I well, stayed up. Well, we didn't up- watch it. It's the no. difference between missing it and not. Watching. We decided <laughs> not to watch it. We did were going to separate. Gemma decided said, we're not, not watching doing Coronation. Any- I'm not, not doing, doing any anything work. podcast I'm not related. Doing any work. No, I'm on holiday. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> well, I I kept up with um good classic Coronation Street. I watched uh, I watched those online, so that was okay. Thank goodness. Oh, good. But um, we did have to wait until today to watch last week's Coronation Street. So that's what we're talking about today. Um, and this is going to be a bit of a weird one because we're going to be reacting to episodes that, you know, there's been two since. So this is quite good, I suppose, for Canadian listeners or anyone who's you know, following behind the UK broadcast because any of the predictions or whatever that we make from today's episode, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. But people, you know, most, the majority of the people that are going to be listening to this, they know exactly what's happened at Sarah Louise's baby gender reveal party and, and all the other things that have been going on this week. And we've literally got not much of an idea. We haven't watched Monday and Wednesday's episode yet, but I've I've not been able to avoid all spoilery reactions online. Although I, I managed to get through... Did you go into watching the episodes today knowing very much, if anything, about what was going to happen? I'm trying to think. Because I... I'll go on. No, you carry on. I'd seen a picture of um, Gareth Pierce and Tony Maudsley posing with some golden coffins. So I was like, okay, so there's going to be some kind of some kind of Undertaker award or something. Um, and I also knew that Stephen was going to get involved in the Sarah Louise baby drama somehow, but I didn't know how. And that was literally because I'd just seen someone saying, oh, I can't believe Stephen's been dragged into this story. But I don't think I knew very much else. And as for the ones that have happened earlier this week, I've seen like one person saying, oh, gender reveal party drama, and and not much more than that. So uh, can you think of, did you go into today's episodes blind pretty much? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I would have known. No, I, I can't. Remember I don't go out. Know. I don't go out searching for spoilers. But I, I, I put my, I dipped my toe into the Facebook group a couple of days ago to uh, post something or other. I can't remember what, and I, and I came out like, oh, spoilery, and on Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. Not that we're allowed to call it that anymore, but maybe more Can of that will come later. Do street. Gemma wants to go on a street talk because she's feeling a bit poorly. We're not doing a quiz, we're not doing birthdays. This is just a street talk only podcast because we've got another one to record tomorrow night after we watch this week's episode. So, should we have a little should we a little musical interlude and then get cracking with it? Yeah. Okay. Right then. Um so this week's street talk, last week's street talk. Bit far behind. Um, so we have got five stories to talk about this week, Gemma. I'll do three of them as you're feeling poorly. And we're going to start off with the Damon Child story, which, again, <laughs> great, great stuff in this week's or last week's episodes. I thought that getting Stephen involved um, just while they're having a bit of a break from the Elaine side of the story, genius move. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you thought of that later. Then we are going to move on to the courting Miss Courtney storyline, which we have. What do we, we call that carting Miss Courtney last week, didn't we? Uh, but there was definitely some courting involved at the moment. And the poor poorly Paul. Oh, that, that Miss... I oh, know, we'll get on to it in a bit. Um, right, next one. The, the Todd Award storyline. 
I came up with this storyline title after I saw the, the picture on Instagram a week and a half ago. I'm pretty proud of this one. Stiff competition. <laughs> Thank you, you nearly You nearly got uh, robbed when they called it the stiffies. I know, literally. All I saw from going into this week was the picture of those two holding the award. I was like, this is brilliant. I'm going to call this one stiff competition. And yeah, and I thought, don't anybody mention that during the week. I want to claim this original line as well. I'm sure nobody else has mentioned this at all in the week since it's had. Um, and then Ryan on the roids. Yeah. She's, he's he's getting drugs in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, you said I wasn't allowed to call this storyline conabolic steroids. No, because you're saying it, bollocks. Because it again. sounds like I'm saying a rude word. I, I don't know. But um, so, I, we, we've also, I've got the Stephen and Elaine stuff kind of mishmashed up with the Damon Child story because it seemed like it kind of fitted together. So I will start off with that. Um, and it's Audrey's birthday on Monday, but it turns out she doesn't want to do anything. 83, just another number. Um, and Adam says to Sarah Lou, look, go and speak to your grand, check she's okay. And Sarah says, okay, well, you know, I bet she does want to do something with her birthday. I just wish that people would tell the truth and be open and say how they feel. I'm not a mind reader. And Adam kind of, as her back's turned, gives a bit of a look to say, oh, if only I knew what I was feeling at the moment with my panic attacks and everything. So... Kung Fu Jerry, meanwhile, comes to visit Elaine at number four. He's heard about her and Stephen splitting up. It feels, it's funny because we, as we, as we were driving back from Dover yesterday, we listened to our previous podcast, didn't we? And some of the stuff that we were talking about, that feels like it happened so long ago. Like it was fortnight ago since this split up. And uh, Jerry, you know, he's right in there and he wants to know if she would like to have a drink out sometime. She's not sure she's ready yet, um, but she does thank him for helping her Get that courage up for giving Stephen the old heave-ho last week. Speaking of Stephen, he's uh, still in hospital come Monday morning. Sarah visits him and he's reading he's reading a murder mystery book called Slash Slash Burn Burn. I don't know if that's a real one. Have you, uh, you heard of that one before? Knowing me, it's probably an incredibly famous and important British novel that I should have heard of. Well, you, you, you don't like read murder mysteries or anything, do you? You want the true crime. I don't read a lot of books. No. Um, so anyway, I thought that that was still quite a good touch. Which I hate when people say that, but I don't. It's true. It's true. Mm. Um, no, no, I don't either. Um, and yeah, he. so I don't know whether he's... Is he checking up on tips for his next victim, maybe? Or maybe methods? He's not done any slashing or burning so far. I think so he's far. more... I imagined, he's done splashing. I imagine more he was comparing himself. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, well, I'd do better than that. <laughs> Why, why haven't they written a book about me yet? He's thinking, well, if you do slash, slash, burn, burn, you're just creating a, a pattern and they can catch you that way. What you do is completely different every time you kill. Yeah, exactly. And then exactly. they would bear the link to one of the one murders. He should have been reading um, John Stapes' book, shouldn't he? That would have been brilliant. Local serial killers. That would have been great. <laughs> Um, anyway, so um, he's, he's happy to see Sarah Lou. He says, I'm ready for a fresh start. I've cut ties with Elaine. Um, can you go and get me my briefcase from the factory? Meanwhile, we've got Tim telling Sally about Jerry's proposition towards his mum later. And Elaine says, look, I just need time to think. So I'm going to leave the programme for a little bit. Go and stay with my mate in Scarborough while the story's put on hold. Scarborough got two shout outs this week. It must have been for the same reason. What was the no. other one? The other one was... Summer reading a list of top wedding destinations. Oh, yeah, it was, wasn't it? And she's going, Scarborough, why is that on the list? And they're like, oh, somebody from Yorkshire. There was obviously a reference that was incredibly local that we didn't get. 
Does anyone want to explain that to us? I don't. I'm not. I'm don't not fast. I'm not fast. Yeah. Then yeah, there was, a, there was a bit of a Scarborough agenda, wasn't there? This mm. But anyway, so Elaine's Elaine's bogging like off. Placement, maybe. Elaine is like the most fly by night character. She's like one minute she's there, the next minute she's gone, buying a house, abandoning the house. Yeah. Getting married to a man, running away from a man. She's when? How long has she been in the show now? What three years, maybe? She's but 40. only about an hour and, I mean, a year she's and a half of that. She's only been in it for an hour. She's, <laughs> she's been in it, but I'm not complaining. I don't mind having Adam. a lane break at the moment. I assume we'll see her again. Um, so Adam's speaking to Sarah. maybe she'll turn up dead. Oh, maybe she will. Adam's speaking to Sarah later and says, oh yeah, I had another panic, panic attack yesterday. Um, and she's like, oh look, I'm really sorry. <laughs> this kind of my fault that your life's gone down the toilet at the moment. But let's, let's chat later. I feel really okay. sorry for Adam. He thinks he's keeping it together, but his body is not coping as well as his brain. Well, it's some kind of disconnect here because he doesn't... It kind of seems to creep up on him. But mm. that's I think that's very normal. Well, yeah. yeah when I've, you're stressed out, sometimes you don't realise you are stressed out. I've, I've had panic attacks um, in the past, not for ages now, but mine always used to be at bedtime. Do you yeah. remember? Yeah, I, I used do. to come into the lounge. Oh, <laughs> I don't. Remember, I don't even remember what it was about now. But I definitely went through a phase where it was, they, they were horrible. I mean, I know. They, I didn't. My camera didn't go all blurry and no. wonky angles or anything really like that. Hard. So clearly, I wasn't having. It's tough because I was trying to comfort you and you you couldn't like and touch you or anything. It was like no. really hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. Oh, those were the days. They were. They were. Yeah. So um, Elaine bogs off um, to 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 Scarborough in the car. Jenny's there. I tell you what, the front of the Rovers must be like the cleanest pub in England because Jenny Spotless. seems to be there most days at the moment, giving the windows a scrub. Is that what you're supposed to do? I mean, we I must admit, we maybe haven't had our windows cleaned once since we moved into this house, have we? No. <laughs> but you know, we're not we're being, not supposed to be entertaining cheap. members of the public. We're being cheap, that's we've, why. We've got more windows in this house than our last, last time. House. When we used to get our windows cleaned in our old house, it cost us £6 a month. Mm. I do not think we'll get away with that. <laughs> no, I think it's going to be um, more like twenty day quid. Yeah, so we, you know, we're fine. We're 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 rocking the grubby look at the moment, but not not our gen. Yeah. Um, anyway, so she's there scrubbing away, and she watches Elaine leaving and going, "Oh, very interesting." Because <laughs> she, I, every time, every so often, I forget that she is supposed to be dating Owen at the moment. He didn't get um. He got a name check this week, didn't he? But I don't think we saw his face. And she sees Sarah there, and um, and Sarah says, "Oh look, if you want to go and see Stephen, because Jenny is still showing a bit of an interest in him, why don't you go and visit him in the hospital?" And Jenny's like, "Yeah, okay, maybe I will sometime." So um, Sarah goes to the hospital herself later with this um, incredibly um, flamboyant uh, birthday cake. Well, not. It was just like, Audrey said she didn't want anything, but she definitely got a custom-made birthday cake, didn't she? It was a pink one with a big pair of scissors and... It looked like it was empty when she put it down, but hey. It looked it looked a little bit like a cardboard hat box, but I know, yeah. I, I trust... I assume I it was a, another another triumph from the Red Butterfly Bakery. I'd be happy if somebody gave me an empty box instead of a cake. You don't like cake, do you? I don't hate cake, I just choose always would choose not to eat it if ever we have a cake in our house which isn't very often you'll you'll have maybe one thin slither of it won't you and and eat maybe half of that and the rest yeah. of it is like and you'll go 
Are you suppose, having any cake? Suppose I'd better eat it then. Then over the next, the course of the next week, the cake, the cake gets drier, and I'm just like, no, I'm going to eat this. I don't want to waste the cake. Oh God. <laughs> um, but yeah, Audrey's got a lovely cake for for ten right. seconds on screen. It was really nicely. Uh, pretty decorated. It was. It was very pretty. And props yeah. department's doing. Uh, I don't know if it's the bakery or props department, but they also made. They didn't good need to cut it, trophy. so it didn't need to be a real cake. No, it didn't. Um, yeah, they, what, yeah, they they were busy making um, coffins. <laughs> not so genuine looking um, gold coffin awards this week. So maybe they they didn't have time for a cake. I want to know what the thought process behind how big that award was. <laughs> what was the? Because normally, a, you know, a trophy is. You know, I don't know, not the size of a phone or maybe the size of a phone and a half. Not like an enormous novelty. Like, it looked like you could put things in it. Well, maybe it's just go all the... They've got, like, an urn display inside the inside the uh, Undertaker's, haven't they? Maybe it just stands up next to the urns. And if yeah. if you want to put it next to one and, and the looks, urns dwarf it, it's like, oh, that doesn't... sad, doesn't it? Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. So he, he, she's there bringing, bringing the, the cake to Audrey and... Um, and she mentions as well that Jenny may pop in and Je- Audrey's like, oh, Jenny, eh? Oh, one door closes, another one opened. And Stephen says, I swear we're just friends at the moment. And and that's kind of how it's left later when Jenny turns up at the at the hospital. He's there just disposing of... Because um, Sarah brought him the briefcase earlier, which has got the suicide note in, hasn't it? The one that he forged for Elaine. And he's there tearing it up. Well, he only Jenny tore it in Orma. half and then he stuffed it back in the briefcase. Yeah, there so are a couple hasn't... of documents this week that Stephen didn't really shred quite as much Stephen as he should have done. Stephen just seems to go, well, I've torn it in half. That's as good as it's going to ever get. <laughs> well, you know, he, he found up Sarah's um, yeah, torn did. in half letter as well, didn't he? And that didn't turn out very well for her. So anyway, she Jenny nearly catches him doing that, but not quite. So this, this letter is still potentially... Um, readable by someone who may end up finding it later on, I assume. Um, so um, she, they, they talk about him and Elaine being over, and Jenny's like, "Oh, I never really thought that Elaine was your type, anyway." Well, what sort of person is my type? Asked Stephen. Before Jenny can get a chance to answer, she gets a saucy phone call from Owen, promising. All manner of things, I assume. I don't know. <laughs> Stephen in the background while this phone call's going on. He's like... Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> so he's clearly still got the hots for Jenny and doesn't appreciate that she's getting a, you a, thought a secret phone call from him. He would have learned by now, don't make faces. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jenny's like, thinking, what's that? I've just seen your reflection in the He's like, in the he's like nothing can go wrong here. There's no microwave. <laughs> there are plenty of screens in hospital rooms, Stephen. You've got to watch yourself there. But anyway, Gemma doesn't catch him. And that's Gemma. the end of that. Jenny, sorry, doesn't catch him. And that's the end of that. Um, only other scene we get that episode for that story is Sarah and Adam and Speed Dull because she said, oh, we'll talk about your panic attacks. So they do. And she says, look, you need to speak to someone about these if these happen again. And he says, yeah, I will. One more panic attack and I'm there with Dr. Gaddis. I don't, did I... I don't know what you can do about panic attacks. Did I see anybody about them? Yes. Did I? Yes. I don't know whether I... I just had rescue remedy, didn't I? <laughs> yes. That was great. Yeah. I don't think I don't know whether it did anything or not, but a couple of do- drops of rescue remedy on my tongue, and at least it felt like it was doing something. A nice bit of placebo there. Um, so Wednesday's episode, Gail comes round to Sarah and Adam's flat because she's been invited to this baby scan. Um, she's a little bit confused about why they're going private, and Adam says, "Oh, I'm just really keen to find out what sex the baby's going to be, and doing this special blood test gets us to find out early." 
I'm just I'm just baffled because there was a whole subplot about Gail having to change her outfit. Yeah, and I don't know what is the significance of this. Was it like whenever something weird like this happens on the show, I'm always thinking to myself, there's some kind of real world reason why this has been written into the show. And I don't have any idea whether this is true or not. But in my mind, it's just that they realised that they filmed these the wrong way round and Gail was wearing the wrong clothes and they realised they had to write in a whole load of scenes about her changing her outfit. You reckon? I've got no idea. I, I don't think anyone would have thought any, any like, blink twice if she had turned up wearing a different outfit than she was wearing earlier because Gail would certainly be the sort of person out of the three people who were involved in this appointment would have been the only one who genuinely would have said, oh, I think I should wear a different outfit if we're going to a private genetics clinic. I think it was just an opportunity to take another swipe at bag lady Gail she in a dowdy fine. fashion. What do you mean? I thought she looked perfectly... She, if anything, like, maybe take... Like, her coat maybe was a bit casual, but she, why should she be wearing a coat inside the room? <laughs> no, she I thought she looked fine. Off. I thought she looked fine. It was weird. But also, perhaps, I don't know, did it facilitate her bumping into... Um, Audrey and Stephen well, downstairs, she, she but she could have just around. seen them on the way. Yeah. I don't know, but um, it was weird. I really would. It's one of those things where I'm like, what happened there? Please, mm. please explain. So the, the topic of where Stephen's going to live comes up when Gail bumps into him and Audrey later because he still wants to stay in Red Bank, which I think is a good idea because I quite like this new flat set. Well, we were just talking about it last week, well, two weeks ago, and saying what they're going to do with that that set now. It doesn't make sense that no one's going to live in it. But, you know, by the, the way it turns out in the week, I know he, he is going to still live in it, isn't he, the way it ended up. Tim's watching on this, and he's... He, Grumpy old Tim. He, he's not happy about Stephen still loitering around the flat that he's not even putting any money into. But um, he, he wants, so he wants to go and square up to Stephen but it's, Sally lures him into the cafe with the promise of a full English so um, really? Tim knows which way his uh, bread's buttered there Stephen should be just renting it off of off of Elaine well that's what happens in the end I know but is he renting it or is he just living there yeah no he's renting it oh, okay. he's renting it we find out later so over to the the, the the private posh clinic which looks fairly similar to Weatherfield General to be fair but the scan's all looking good now um, the sonographer tells them we need to have a blood test so we can find out the sex of the baby and test for genetic diseases. So Sarah's kind of looking a bit worried about that because obviously in her head she doesn't know who the baby's father is at this point but she's worried that it might these results might throw up something that suggests the baby's... Not Adam's. Not Adam's, exactly, because it's got... Um, is inclined towards particular genetic conditions that Adam's family don't show. It's like this this baby's got like a drug drug dealer uh, gene in it. Yeah. And then everyone will say, there? but Adam was doing drugs that dealing drugs that time because Ken got mad and burned all the money. Oh yeah, I remember. So it runs in both families. Yeah. There's no way to, to know <laughs> who the father is. So there's a bit of a discussion there about whether genetic test is a good idea or not, but ultimately they go for it and it's and gonna then be Ad- next week. Adam does say that he doesn't have any genetic issues in his family, even though his dad died of Alzheimer's. Yeah, yeah, but we also looked that we up. We looked it up. It's but I doubt doubt he knows this. He he he, he might have done. It's I think it says that if no. your parent um well, if your parent has had it, you've got a, a greater chance of having it. But if you if you were asked directly by a nurse or it came up and they were like, do you have any genetic problems? You wouldn't say, not to my knowledge, in my family, when your dad died of it. Mm. You wouldn't say no. You'd say, well, yeah, but I know about that already. Maybe. 
I guess. What do you mean, maybe? Yeah. I think that was a bit... Uh, I think that was a slight mistake. Oh, I, I didn't mind. I didn't mind. They don't need to. I, I like that they, they do reference need, the past. They but... do need to reference things. It would have taken just as much time for him to have said, well, I know my dad died of Alzheimer's, but that's already a risk that we are aware of. Yeah. Um, yeah, he didn't die of Alzheimer's, did he? He had Alzheimer's and he died oh, of yeah, he pneumonia. Just, he died of Ken Barlow. Yeah, outside I'm still factory. suspicious of that. <laughs> yeah, do you think Ken stuck a knife him. in his back? Smothered <laughs> him when he was looking. Anyway, um, so they're going to get this test done. Results next week. Um, Stephen, um, meanwhile, is off to the pub for a drink and he, he wants to chat with Jenny, but she can't because Daisy's ditched her, so she's there on her own. Tim's listening into this and isn't pleased to hear that Stephen seems to be celebrating being rid of his mum. Well, what does he want out of life? What, Stephen to be pining after her, even though he said that they should never be together in the first place? Yeah, exactly. Stephen goes back to his flat later, and there he finds Tim chucking all of his stuff out of these steps. So these are the red bank apartments that have got the big back and forth stairs going up to them, the uh, the ghost runner stairs. And um, yeah, Tim's, (laughs) Tim's doing the old... Well, he did the job for Elaine, really, isn't he? Flinging his stuff out. Classic thing. I like Corrie the way thing. he had Stephen's signature um, brown suede Yeah, that was jacket. the first thing to go out, it's wasn't like, it? don't throw that in a puddle. That's how we know it's his. Yeah. Um, and Sarah and Gail find him yelling up at Tim to no avail. Tim's like, no, you're out of there. You're not living there. This is my mum's flat. It's nothing to do with you. Um, and, and so Stephen can, uh, Sarah says, he can go and stay on her sofa for a little bit. Um, and she helps him pick up his stuff, and then she finds this. This I, I've written down in my notes here an interesting looking journal or something because it wasn't quite clear from that scene what it is she's found. And we were watching this, going, "Oh, what could that what be? Is that? What could it be?" So she picks up. She picks up a journal, and there's a, the other. Oh, there's a bit, a bit of paper, paper coming out of it. But so um, they go back oh, to Sarah's really flat, and Sarah's like, surprising. she opens, she pulls out this piece of paper with a flourish, and it's her fertility test results letter. What are you doing with it? That and we were like, like, what? Yeah, what is he doing with it? Now, no, then there was a really, you really unnecessary flashback. Uh, yeah, you please, don't... please, Coronation Street, do watch out with this. This is becoming far, far too frequent. I'm not now. sure. Not flashbacks, but. Uh, the only Weird thing we editing. got, well, we needed this. The only reason we needed this was to know that Stephen already knew the results. Yeah. So what happened then was when we saw Sarah Lou chuck in the the letter a couple of weeks ago in the bin, in the bin outside Victoria, Victoria Gardens. Gardens. Why not? Um, and then what supposedly transpired after that was Stephen came skulking around, took the letter out of the bin, yeah. opened it up and read it. And you're right, in the flashback, we see him reading the note and going, hmm, interesting. But what he's saying, meanwhile, is that he he took, he took saw her binning a letter which he thought was related to the factories. <laughs> so that's why he knows it. kind of plausible, but... And, and, and he says, I didn't read it. I've got no idea what the contents are. So... Um, you know, with, with the benefit of hindsight now, we know at this point, he's known for a couple of weeks that the baby is Damon's. He's been the only one that's known it's Damon's and he's been keeping that bit of information under his hat. But I think he slipped here a little bit, but I'm not sure. This, this thing is slightly confusing because he says, I'm sensing you didn't get the news you were hoping for because he doesn't realise right. that she hadn't read it yet. Exactly. So he gives away in a sense here, that he knows it's 
says Damon. Mm. I kind of but wish... I'm not... I'm still not 100% going I kind of wish that at some point in between when that happened a couple of weeks ago and this week, Stephen had made an off-the-cuff remark or something that would have made us go... In uh, hindsight. How does he... Yeah, it's, it's yeah. That, maybe there is. Maybe people yeah. have found this already. But if he'd have said something that would have made us think, how does, does he know about... But he's been completely separate to this story up yeah. until, until this week, so I, I'm guessing there hasn't been anything. But yeah, a unnecessary flashback. It I, wasn't unnecessary, because I don't know how else we would have got the information that he had already read the test. I don't know whether we really needed it, though. Yeah, but, they, but, yeah, but do we? This is the question, because I'm still not sure about... you. you the way the show's portraying it, is one way, but I have my own, another theory. Okay, well let's let's so so what yeah, so yeah. what happened next? What he he says? Yeah, I, I I know the results. I assume it's not the ones that you. you no, were he doesn't say that. Oh no, sorry, I didn't know the results. I haven't looked. I saw that it was from the clinic. I assume that you, you didn't know, get the news because you look sad. Yeah, exactly. Um, now Sarah explains to him about Adam not being interested if the baby's not his, and Stephen says, "Well, you know, we've got some options here that you can look into," and Sarah's just. She's furious because he's now involved himself in her storyline and she don't want any of this. Now, so why she's do you mad. think he's doing this? I think he's just trying to set himself up with allies that are tied to him by some kind of blackmail purpose. Yeah, there doesn't seem... Maybe, because there's not an obvious motive at the moment, apart from the fact that, you know, she is his family and... She's his... She's I mean, they're... Uncle and niece. They've they've had a very close relationship. Unfortunately, a lot of it has not been on screen because they were they were in Milan. Yeah, and we never saw any of that. But we know for years she worked with him in Milan. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've managed. I think they've done a pretty good job of sort of maintaining that close relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but really, he's totally overstepping the mark for a normal relationship with his niece here. But so I think that that is what he's doing. He's he's setting it up so that if he ever needs something from her, she'll have to do it. Yeah, yeah. He, he she'll owe him something. Yeah. He at the moment again. Who knows what might have happened <laughs> since you know in the yeah. past couple of days? But he and her are the only ones who know whose father the baby is. So he could absolutely blackmail her and he's shown the way he's treated Audrey in the past that he's no way near adverse to blackmailing or, or getting Doing one over of things. members of his family. So yeah, maybe. But I, I do still think it's a little um, stretching the realms of credibility that he what? would have... No, no, that he would have... Straight? Yes, that he would have seen her bin the letter and then decide yeah, I'm going to go and see what that is. Like No, I would have. Yeah, but he's a villain. He's sneaky. I, I don't know. The thing I don't is, know. though, didn't she have she was she had the letter and she kind of looked like, oh gosh, oh, it wasn't like she was just going, but throw this rubbish away. I think she had an emotional response, which because I am quite sneaky and I do like to find out things I shouldn't know, <laughs> so I might go, what the hell was that? Electric <laughs> bill or something. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, so let, let's carry on. So um, she she's stormed off. Um, Daniel, meanwhile, is chatting with Adam in the pub about the scan. And he's still feeling a little bit out of sorts over the whole thing. But Glenda well, wants a massive celebration. In the back yeah. of his mind, 
yeah, in the back of his mind, he's thinking, yeah, but what if this baby isn't mine? I still he's been told it is. She told me, and she's got a bit of a a, a motive there to, to tell a few fibberinos. Exactly. Um, so he, he just wants to see it in black and white, and and maybe, you know, the way that she reacted when the gender disorder was, um, test came um, was was brought up. Maybe she's still. Holding on to Gender the disorder? I think you mean genetic. Genetic. Oh, yeah. Genetic disorder. <laughs> Gender <sorry>. disorder. Oh, <laughs> no, dear. Not getting into that. The genetic disorder results next week. That's That might be problematic, he's thinking. So he goes outside as another panning attack with blurry camera, wonky angle, the whole shebang. Um, and Daniel, why, why not go the whole hog? Exactly. It, but it's it wasn't one of these camera looking into his face panic attacks. No. So I don't know what's well, worse. What's he meaning about then? Um, Daniel finds him outside and, and, and says, look, you need to get yourself checked out. Come into the pub. Let's talk about things properly. I've not found Daniel's involvement in this story to be particularly interesting so far. Like, Well, he doesn't... Adam doesn't have a friend. So Daniel is like... Daniel is the only character that he's talking to um, who he can confide in and we can hear what, what he's thinking because Sarah had... Um, DD. DD. Then now she's got Uncle Stephen mm. and Adam tried to talk to Ken but obviously William Roach is not always available for scenes because he doesn't film as much as other people. So perhaps that's why they've given him Daniel... Because he ne- we need to know what he's thinking. Yeah, I mean, he, he they could have written in him confiding in DD at work, but I suppose after the whole, he does know that DD kept it to herself about Damon, doesn't he? I think. Well, it, so it makes sense. It does make sense her. that he's talking to Daniel about it. But, it does. But um, I don't. Yeah, I. I really, I'm not I'm interested not convic- in Daniel also, being involved. I don't in really this. buy them. I mean, I know that they're related, but I just don't think that they would have much to say to each other. No, I, I believe that. I just, I just. They just. I'm more interested. I'm more interested in Sarah and Stephen's side of this story than Adam, because you're getting you know scenes with both of them and then scenes with each of them in, and whenever it's an Adam scene, I'm like, oh, I'm not particularly well, I, fussed with this. Yeah, but I do think that this, um, this is one of those rare stories where we get in almost equal sides. Yes. Sometimes we'll only have one character's side of things. Mm. Like at the moment, the Ryan and Daisy storyline is basically 80% Ryan. Yeah. Whereas this, I feel, is quite split. And I think it's good because um, there are people on both sides of this, you know, men and women, Mm. who are going to watch this and go, gosh, you know, I I would hate it if that happened to me. Or that I've experienced this or something, mm. you know? How are you feeling on the old, um, the sympathy scale for both of them at the moment? Even Sarah. Like, obviously, when she was um, bonking around with Damon, <laughs> I was I was livid with her. But now that's all kind of out of the way she's and she's living with the consequences of it. I'm, so you're happy that she's I'm, suffering? I'm not... Fe- and no, not really, but I feel like I'm more on her side and like I'm wanting her to keep it a secret. <laughs> I, Just because I like the, 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 the secretive, duplicitous kind of nature of it all. I'm like, oh yeah, Sophie's secrets, that's brilliant. Oh, Adam doesn't need to know this. Yeah, get Stephen involved. Yeah, but I, I feel like... I'll... Normally I like chaos in soaps. 
But in this situation, I'm like, oh, I just really wish that they could just have what they want here because they both want something so sweet and innocent. Like, I want to raise a, a baby with you. And she's pregnant. She wants to keep the baby. He wants desperately to be a father. And it's just such a nice situation that it's just <laughs> completely ruined and I feel I feel bad for both or of them everything everything that is going wrong for her she has brought yeah, it upon definitely. herself but he's suffering and it's not his fault apart from he was working all the time he <laughs> he's <laughs> suffering but I'm not feeling too bad for him well, and maybe that's quite, just my stone-hearted think, nature but I'm thinking oh, oh well Adam but it's good drama though isn't it <laughs> you gotta admit that <laughs> Adam is quite I find him quite remote Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so he's um, he, uh, Daniel's telling him to go off and see the doctor or something. I don't. He doesn't, does he? Um, and um, well, he doesn't need to. Hmm? He doesn't need to go to see the doctor because he realizes what the problem is. What is? It? I'm lost. Where we are in my notes. Well, well. Um, <laughs> she. So hang on. Yeah. So Adam is talking to to Daniel about having his his attacks, and she he says go to the doctor. And um, so he talks to Sarah and, no, no, I think it's, I think it's Uncle Stephen who talks to her in in yes. Victoria Gardens. You haven't written sorry, who he is. Sorry, I've written he writes in Victoria and, Gardens. And she's like really sorry. And, she, and he's, he's keeps trying to push her into finding out. Yes. Which is, again, suspicious to me. Why? Because he because he what, knows who the father is. He's got to have known. Yeah, but so so but what? So he's pushing her to find out because then he can use it as blackmail material. Hmm. Um, I mean, honestly, yeah. honestly, if you were really her, you know, if you had her best interests at heart, I think you would say to her, "You have to." I know you think this is the right thing to do now, but this will eat at you until you die. I you think have most to find people out. would recommend that because it would. I don't trust his motives for anything because I don't think that he cares about anybody except himself and how he can benefit. So he can benefit from this because, like I said, he can blackmail her. So he's pushing her to find out because he knows what it's going to say. Now we've got a shared secret together. Because it, it, it doesn't benefit him at all if it's Adam, does it? Mm. Because mm. it's like, well, the only thing I can use this for is to say that you knew it, you didn't know whether whose it was and you lied about it. But Adam, I don't think at that point would care particularly. Yeah, no, it's he'd a, just be happy that he the, was the, baby the father. Says, yeah, okay. Um, so um, I love this storyline, by the way. This so, is so Sarah, Sarah is eventually convinced to open the envelope, have a look at the results, and uh, it, although we don't see the paper here, it's pretty. Cl- well, fairly clear from her reaction that it's bad news because she kind of breaks down in tears and, and kind of crumples a little bit and Stephen puts his arm around her shoulder. Um, so yeah, baby's Damon's. Who'd have thought? We've been saying it all along. So she gets home. Adam tells her about his panic attack. Um, he says, look, I just want to see the results in black and white. In fact, I've phoned the clinic asking for a new copy of them tomorrow. <laughs> Sarah's like, bloody hell. What am I going to do now? And uh, I, I went into Friday's episode thinking, I, I love this. This is another example of me thinking, how are they going to get out of this one? <laughs> this is what I really like. I, I remember reading, um, what are you going to say? Nothing. I remember reading a, um, it was to do with how to write well. And, and it was saying, 
you should always make decisions when you're writing something that scare you and you can't see a way out of them because that's how you make an interesting story. Mm. And I feel like they've been really doing this with this storyline. It's like, well, what the hell? How can you get out of it? It's like when Carla wanted that meeting with um, Gabrielle or with, with Seagull Limited yeah. a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? And I was thinking, how what's going to happen there? And it turned out that, you know, it wasn't that exciting and it was Gabrielle, but it doesn't matter. The anticipation that yeah. it builds. And the confusion and the, and the theories is what I really enjoy about Yeah, and we didn't have story. much, if any, time to theorise about what was going to happen because we literally no. finished Wednesday's episode watch worked straight into Friday's episode but it was it was good it was exciting stuff so Friday starts um, with Sarah just kind of staring into space in her flat thinking I am going to get caught out today Adam's going to see the letter he's going to find out that the dad is Damon's the, the, the gig's up basically um, and then Nick comes in another intruder into the storyline it seems like well this is to get this is to, I think Damon's going to come back I think Damon may well may well have been in this week's Coronation Street that we're going to watch maybe oh. later on today. I don't know I literally I don't know well that. The, the, you but, know in Coronation Street if a character's coming back sometimes they'll get mentioned like the episode before so that everyone remembers that they exist yeah yeah exactly so yeah it turns out that Damon needs to sign some paperwork to about the late licensing. It's basically, what happens at the end is he tells Sarah that he has signed it and it says that it's the bistro's all his, or all Nick and Leanne's. Damon's completely pulling out of it now, so I don't know, it's something to do with that. And he, he he's there um, after his early morning jog to get some um, loyally advice from Adam. He says, look, you just need to find Damon yourself. There's nothing to do with me getting to sign the papers, then he's out of your life. Yeah. So... Sarah and Stephen later on are talking about the plans for how on earth they're going to intercept this letter when it comes from the clinic. I love today. this. And it's coming by courier, so um, this was brilliant. It's definitely right? coming today. This was brilliant because Stephen's like, "Sarah, what's your plan to deal with this paternity letter?" And she's like, "I don't know. Rip it up, and then when another one comes, I rip that one up too, and I rip, 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 rip all the letters up until there's no paper left in the world." <laughs> Stephen's like, "That's an amateur plan. <laughs> Why not just use print stick and forge one?" <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, she had literally no idea about how she's going to tackle this problem. Like, I'm just going to rip the letters off. Stephen's been tackling life or death problems like a pro for the past, well, nearly he's a year like, at this point. Sarah, so do you like, need child's play. my hole punch? <laughs> um, Stephen says, look, I'm, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to... Fu-. No, he no, says at first, look, you just, maybe you should just tell the truth about it. But um, he, he later agrees to, to help her in her... Duplicity. Well, she did. Yeah, she just says that it's not an option. Yeah. Um, the, the, there's also kind of a side story going on in this episode about where Stephen's going to live. It felt it felt a little bit fillerish, but I suppose it's important to well, yeah. to know where Explain is Stephen going to live. Where is he going to go? I mean, he, he's got his, his his penthouse lair now, hasn't he, to get yeah. up to all his nefarious deeds. So to walk around drinking whiskey, looking yeah. mysterious. Audrey invites him to um, move back in Audrey's to Grasmere like, Drive. Listen, love, you can come and stay with me in Grasmere Drive, but I don't have a set anymore. Yeah. yeah. He's oh, like, no, I'd rather stay somewhere. I, I hear it has a damp day. problem still. <laughs> I fixed that ages ago. <laughs> um, but you know, he's, he wants to move back into the flats. So, Gail, I just, just a bit, I didn't like this bit. I mean, no, this sometimes when needed. characters, it is needed. Sometimes characters are needs to be 
in cer- away from certain places. Yes. Um, but it was a bit catastrophizing to have, oh no, Harry's in A&E. No, sorry, like, Michael. Really? This is what happens when you have kids. They're in A&E all the time. They do end up going to A&E or they get sick and you have to go and look after them. And it's, it doesn't happen that much in Coronation Street, but it is quite convenient when it does It was it a really happen. convenient... <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be... So, I mean, Sarah was gaslighting him the other week about when, she, when he saw her kissing Damon. Maybe Sarah secretly cracked Harry round the head and said right what are you doing no it's the arm oh was it his arm this time was it yeah what really happened harry i didn't hit you around the arm and break your arm he fell off something (laughs) well in in this in this instance it was um not to her advantage that she had to be pulled away from the hospital but it did benefit the story because it meant that Stephen was forced to be the one that came up with the plan for intercepting the post and he did a better job than she would to be fair i kind of like this because sarah at this point is now resigned to the fact yeah. that, that Adam's going to find out. And she could have just let her mum deal with Harry, but she decided that it was more important for her, her child to be there for him when he was in A&E. And I thought that was a really um, nice motherly choice for her to have made and not selfish at all. I wouldn't have gone. I would have been like, mum, you deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> Harry, you're on your own. you got, you got, you got... Gale where I'm sure it, like, I'm oh. sure your arm's not broken and if it is I'm sure it'll be fine I'll see you later once I've stolen some post yeah so she her, her plan at the moment is to rip up the letter to buy time but yes. I think you know deep down she realises that there's only so many times that you can do that I mean also what's she going to say when the courier's like well I delivered it to a blonde lady who was wearing pyjamas and looking harassed yeah exactly so some woman who looked 15 years old still. It's like, I've got to be Sarah Louise. I know, but I delivered it to a pregnant teenage mother. <laughs> well done. Um, so anyway, so that she, she she buggers off to the uh, to the hospital, um, telling Stephen on the way... That... No, Stephen tells her, I'll, I'll look after it. I'll, oh, I'll get yeah, it. that's I'll get right, that's right, that's right. She doesn't, she doesn't have a plan. He no. does. So what his plan is, is yep. to have a little forging montage <laughs> where <laughs> he's cutting up bits of paper. It looks, it's like the whole, the usual thing of making the hostage letter of cutting out the letters from the, from the books, isn't it? But this it time of... he was cutting out logos, sticking them on places, typing up. Uh, and now we, we were watching it. 99, he was doing 99, lots of 99, uh, and we were watching it going, what's he doing? And then it's like, oh, oh, I see. So he's using his newly acquired um, correspondence forging skills that he had just practised with Elaine's letter the other the other yeah. week to to make a fake paternity test result. And he's there with his scissors and his prit stick and his scanner and his and his uh, laptop. He's thinking, it would have been so much easier if they had sent this in Elaine's handwriting. I could have just written it off easily. <laughs> Anyway, so he's he's got the fate letter now, but we still don't know exactly what happens to it because Carla, well, at the time, because Carla comes in and he has to well, hurriedly put everything into his folder. So he's they? he's taken the original letter that he's got that was ripped in half and crumpled up, and he's some scanned it and then typed it out again. He cut out the logo and stuck it down, scanned that, and then took it and changed it and scanned it again. It looks like he did quite a lot of different things. I, d- I don't mind the nitty no, gritty of how he did it. No, what does that mean? You no, don't care. Like, I, no, it's like he, he did it. 
he is a master letter forger. Oh yeah, um, he definitely. I'm sure. Like I'm not. Um... He tell the thing is, he tells Sarah Louise later on that he shredded the original letter. But he didn't. We did. Well, we didn't see him do it. All we saw was that when Carla came into the office, he quickly stuffed all the bits of paper underneath and then later put them into his pink folder. I so... don't think we saw him shredding the letter. No, so we definitely didn't see him shred it. That could so, turn up again later. So, so now in Stephen's office is a piece of paper that says Damon's the father and a piece of paper that says Adam's the father. Yeah. Maybe. I think so. But it well, wasn't... Well, it depends on whether he gave Sarah the only copy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But he's def- there's definitely a one that's, you know, stuck together that was the one he scanned to make it look... Yeah. ...printed off. Yeah. So when, when Sarah sees him, <laughs> uh, comes back home from the hospital later, she's had eight missed calls from her. She's getting missed calls all week this week. Like, doesn't she notice when her phone rings? She's, she don't. just seems to be constantly looking down at her phone and saying, oh, I've had a million missed calls from Adam or Damon or Maybe whoever. there was no reception. Maybe. Um, so she, she dashes back off home, gets in, and Adam's there sitting on the sofa with the letter, which he hasn't opened yet. He wanted to wait for her. So she's obviously thinking, you well, know, it's, it's all over here. I, um, I'm, he's, I'm toast. Yeah, and she, try, she tries one last ditch attempt to get him to throw it away. He's like, what difference does it make knowing we, we you know, one way or the other? We I'd know, be so I told suspicious you what it said before. If she was like, just throw it away, it doesn't, make it, it doesn't matter, don't look at it. I'd well, he like, is mega mm. suspicious, and he's a later apologetic about not trusting her, isn't he? But she he? was being so shady. She was being totally shady about it. But he opens it up and he's like, oh, it says I'm the father, and he's obviously thrilled about this. So, yeah, it transpired that Stephen had... Managed to get this letter back to him. Again, I'm not really fussed about the. Well, the thing, the handy thing about it being a courier is that there's going to be no. uh, There doesn't need to be a stamp with franking on it or anything to prove that it has gone through the postal system. It can just get can just get a brand new envelope, seal it up so it doesn't look like it's been opened. I loved Sarah's reaction to this because she's obviously expecting it to say one thing, and when he's there licking fleas, she's like. What on earth has happened here? Well, he says, he's, he opens it and he says, I'm sorry. And she says, Oh, yes, oh, I'm I. sorry too. And he, if I was him, I'd be like, What, what are, are you sorry, sorry about? I think that, I think he interpreted, interpreted it as her saying, I'm sorry that you are such a dickhead that you didn't believe that I was telling the truth. I think it's just that I'm sorry that. This We've had happened. to go all through yeah. through all this. It was plausible that she that she said I'm sorry too. Yeah, but anyway, it babies was great. I love so this. Like, Sarah looks at the baby like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> um, so she goes to find Stephen and shows him the letter. No, 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 no. What? That's not what happens. She starts. She she's on the phone. She's on the phone to the to the um, clinic when Stephen sees her. And she's going, oh my God, I don't know what's happened, but this letter says something completely different to oh, the did last it? I letter. That. And I'm trying to phone up the, amb- the clinic to find out what, why oh, yeah, there are two different that. answers. And he's like, you're welcome. It was me. <laughs> I love that. I love Stevens. You're welcome. And he's, he's, yeah. he's obviously mega chuffed with his forging skills here and says, yeah, I've shredded the real letter. It was me. I did this. And Sarah is, you know, less than grateful. About all the hard work he's done to keep this undercover for a bit longer. She's like, you had no right interfering in my life like this. And he says, look, sometimes you've got to think of yourself. This is best for everyone. One day you're going to realise you've done the right thing here. 
Um, I promise I won't interfere in your storyline anymore. <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> but but now I imagine that she's just going to feel really, really guilty. Well, yeah, exactly. Because she's thinking, now I've got everything I wanted, but it's still not really real. But is that any different than the guilt that she would have been feeling if yeah, Stephen hadn't found the letter anyway? Yeah. Like, she was still going to be harbouring this mega secret or you know, unknown, whatever. But um, anyway, so... That that's left there. Um, Adam, meanwhile, Adam's is thrilled. He's yeah, he's chuffed. This he's is getting what makes all the Barlows so and Stephen in the pub later, and he wants to organise a surprise gender reveal party for Sarah on Monday when the results of the blood test come in. What on earth could go wrong there? Um, and uh, Sarah then goes to see Nick. This is when um, she finds out that he has been in touch with Damon. Um, about this late licensing malarkey and he says, oh, sorry for getting him involved in the business and the family and everything. Sarah goes home. They're chatting about baby clothes and stuff together, her and Adam are. And this is when she sees that she's had some missed calls from Damon, which she hurriedly deletes. And he's like, oh, everything's great. Thank you for making me the happiest man in the world. Oh, he's talking about baby tartan and... and oh, yes, Are we going to have do, a little Adam know. or a little Sarah? It was so cute. Yes. I feel so sorry for this guy. And now we're not sure, you know, well, we think that Damon is the real father. We're no, no, thinking, we know for 100% sure Damon's thinking, the real father. Um, is he actually sterile? Will he ever be able to have a child? I still, I still, you know, in the back of my head, think that that Possibly. could be... But I don't, I don't know enough about how you tell things like that. Have have enough tests been done on him by this point that no. would have flagged that up? No. Or do you what need do you actually mean? a, a you sample? You need to do a fertility test. You can't just go, we're taking blood and we tested for everything. Well, I don't know what else other tests he's had. Turns out you're really good at chess. Have you ever tried playing it? <laughs> um, so anyway, this is, this is just all great stuff, really. Well, um, see, I got really confused because I thought that Stephen took the letter and he gave Sarah a fake... I don't know why I've decided this. He gave Sarah a fake one to say that Damon was the was the father so that she then he could trick her into thinking that they have a secret together. And actually, he's got the real letter that says it's really Adam's f- baby, but I don't know where I got that idea from. There can't have been a real letter. To, are, you, are you saying yeah, that you still think it's maybe Adam's? He wouldn't have done all this forging on Friday. That's what episode. I mean. That's why I got really confused. I was like, why is he forging it when he already forged it the first time? But No, no. Baby is Damon's. Um, oh dear. And I just got a feeling that Baby Damon's going to be showing up at this gender reveal party. Baby I, Damon or Damon the father? I Damon. I think that he's going to... No. How do you do it? There's, there's many ways you can do gender reveals, Yeah, aren't how are they going to do it on the show? Pop a pink balloon or a blue balloon? No, or... no, because then it would be obvious oh, yeah. it's pink or blue. Pop a balloon and I inside is Damon. traditional... <laughs> picture of Damon's face. I thought traditionally you set fire to a forest. What? I think that's what you do, isn't it? You sort of fire off a rocket and then set fire to be under acres oh, of, of woodland. I just... I've got a feeling that the gender of the baby isn't going to be the only thing that's going to get revealed at this party on Monday. I, I, don't, I, I don't know, but I know that there's been some kind of drama going on and I'm thinking that's maybe what the drama is. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. We've got... I've done have anything else to add the about The Barlows were not happy about the Americanisation of uh, having a gender reveal party. Well, Ken wasn't. I thought it was fine. I mean, let people do what they want, for goodness sake. There's no skin off your nose. As long as they're not literally destroying the 
environment. There's lots of very well, this is a very modern story, isn't it? Yeah. You know, they've had they've been able they to find out who the reveal party. I don't think they have. So that that's all new. The Maybe. whole find out the gender of the uh, yeah. find out the father of the baby while it's still inside the mum. That's all new. It feels like a very 2023 story, and still I'm just really really chuffed with how fresh and innovative this whole story is feeling when really it's a tale as old as time isn't it yeah. it's an affair As, yeah, story exactly. it's a bog standard and that's you know i was mad at sarah for for um shagging around with him a couple of months ago but partly in the back of my mind it was just like oh it's going to be another a secret affair story yawn 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 but it's turned into something that just felt feels really really fresh so yeah mm. all for it um Still a little bit annoyed that the whole Stephen and Jenny thing is not going any further. Last episode we were complaining, well I was complaining about it being moving at a glacial pace. I still want him to properly make the moves on Jenny and I don't know why they're slowing it down so much other than maybe it's going to muddy the waters that Stephen is now wading through with the whole baby thing. But I want, I need, I want Stephen and Jenny. Is he... It's it's seeming to make him bumping off Owen even more likely, and I'm not really bothered about that. You know, well, I'm like a good serial killer. I murder, don't really. The thing can, is, you can keep the bullet in the gun if it's going to be him. If he kills off Owen, it's going to be another case of Jenny having somebody very close to her that just dies, and her being like, "Easy come, easy go, on to the next fella." You know, yeah. in the last year, then she would have had Johnny, um, Johnny Leo. Yeah, and then and then Johnny, Owen, Leo, Teddy, and dying. Owen. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it it needs to be someone yeah, else, but I don't know. Well, Owen wasn't her boyfriend. Was hmm? Teddy was? I mean, Teddy no. wasn't. But they, they were certainly, you know, they 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 were certainly. And they don't know. The they don't circles. know. She doesn't know that Leo and Teddy are dead. Then though. No, she still doesn't. Um, will she ever find out? Probably. I'm sure, it'll all, I'm sure it'll all come out at some point. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see more movement there. But all, all, all in all, I've been still very, very, very happy with how this story is going and excited to know that we've still got two episodes recorded that we can maybe watch later today or tomorrow um, so we can catch up with people. Do you want to know an interesting fact about... I don't know if I said this on the podcast. I'd love to. About paternity tests. Yes. They're banned in France. Are they? I didn't know that. Unless ordered by a judge to protect family peace. Because apparently oh. French people have so many affairs that they think it would, like, destroy society. <laughs> well, we, we've uh, we've been watching, um, while we've been in France, Emily in Paris on Netflix, haven't we? And yeah. There's one thing that I've learned from this is that French are very, very randy. So yeah, it, it, it every, makes sense. Everything we've watched in Emily in Paris is completely gospel. Yes. Right, um, speaking of randiness, Gemma, I'll pass over to you for Ardy's Courting Miss Courtney storyline. So, um, pourquoi? I want to reiterate what I said previously about this being a grooming and coercion storyline. <laughs> I'm really enjoying it. I think it's really fun. I, and I feel kind of guilty for enjoying it because I, I know that it. it's really bad. They've obviously written it to be like, you know, like they all, like they advertised it, a steamy, raunchy summer sex story, but they're really dis... Ignoring some massive, huge red flags here. I'm kind of watching it thinking, I don't know what they want us to think about it. Because, yes, they have kind of advertised it a little bit as the raunchy summer sex story. But that's not come across on the show at all. It's just been in the social media posts. And there's like the... um, 
the you know the key art for this episode for this storyline is is Hardy and Courtney looking all steamy next to each other, but it's not really coming across that way. It's definitely coming across as a bit comedic, particularly Monday's episode, I'm going to say. But, you know, Dev was in it all week, Deving it up to the max, so he's always adding that little element to it. Mm. But then also, yeah, is it a story about grooming and coercion and everything? And it doesn't seem to have gone that way yet. She literally says at one point, if you want to keep your job, dot, 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 let's go upstairs. She literally says as she's trying to convince him to shag her, that this is in the best interest of your career, which is, like, I thought we'd all learned. Do we not, do we need to go back again? Do we all need to go to Weatherfield High's consent um, workshop for teens (laughs) or something? I know. So I'm, they're, they're kind of leaning into it by showing that Ardy's a little bit concerned about this. And he's saying, oh, I just want to make everyone happy. Um, he's getting but, more and more into it as the but he's really on. really getting into it but they're, they're definitely putting enough funny stuff happening in that I think we're supposed to enjoy it as well and like I, I said I, I feel I, mega guilty that I am I am massively enjoying this and the one thing that I was worried about well one of the things that I thought felt a little off and I said in the last podcast is that Ardy's always had this kind of goofy energy about him and he's a bit of a doofus and he doesn't know what he's doing and, I, and this suddenly making him into this amazing business mind doesn't really sit right with me. But his reactions to how Courtney's been dealing with him this week and leading him up to bed and like, I don't know what I'm getting into here. That to me still feels very true to Ardy's character that, that Adam Hussein's Ardy has, has done. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased. I'm really pleased with how this is going. But go on, let's, um, I can't turn my brain off thinking every, like, no, you're not the only one. This is something else that... But I also just want to say, like, if you... Like, you're not a bad person for enjoying it oh, because thanks. they're trying to make it... Like, it doesn't make anybody good or bad to have a reaction because this is fiction. I know? have seen... Just to remind everybody, this is fiction. These people don't have real thoughts and emotions. We don't really know what's going on inside their heads. Um, the, 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 the actual on the you know the bare face of it is incredibly problematic and as long as you can acknowledge that in real life this would be wrong i totally i, think, I can totally see that absolutely think, this would be wrong in real life she's got a position of power over him and totally abusing it but i'm been enjoying enough, it for what it is there's been way more than enough really dodgy romantic comedies that have sent incredibly wrong and mixed signals that people are still fine with today that we don't need to be you know trying to demonize people for liking a story or not depending on what you know what i mean i'm just trying to say yeah yeah yeah, absolutely i don't i don't like how people get really puritan about it i don't like it i think it's gross it seems i'm not gonna attack people who have a different it seems like it has about fiction um, drummed up quite a bit of controversy and heated discussion online again i've been avoiding discussion groups facebook groups Twitter as much as I can in this past week because I didn't want to find out any big spoilers about what happened but I have seen threads have been started along the lines of hang on a minute isn't this wrong what's the message that Corey's sending out here so I went into this week thinking oh it's I can imagine that it's not going to be tackling it in quite the sensitive way that a grooming story would be but yeah so I've... I mean it still is grooming it still is and it I totally also is. just want to say another thing too I wonder 
whether the what the way Courtney looks is also feeding into like if Courtney was you know a brunette sort of business lady with glasses on who was doing exactly the same actions I don't think that people would be demonizing her as much and you know I'm on the side of, of like demonizing Courtney and what she's doing but I think it's really important to sort of think about um what you know all the other negative stereotypes that are, are kind of filtering in through this character um as well mm. it, you know, there's certainly a lot about the way that she looks and portrays herself that uh, does invite negative judgment from people. But Gemma, she's got an MA in business as well. Well, she keeps telling everybody that she's got an <laughs> MA in business because she wouldn't know it from looking at her or seeing how she acts. No. She doesn't use it for anything, does she? Right. Um, well, she's getting up to kinky business with Aldi. Maybe it's that. Uh, maybe it's MA in marital arts. Maybe. <laughs> right, go on. So what happened this week? We've already right, discussed so it. Right, but... so in Monday, in the shop, Dev's giving Ardy a business pep talk about a packet of biscuits. Oh, yeah. It was a packet of Corrie brand biscuits, wasn't it? And saying, oh, yeah, man, when you look at this, you've got to think about all of the all the hard work and brainstorming sessions that have gone into this. To you, this is just a packet of big skits, but to me, it's business. Nice. Mm. Um, Ardy's still knocked about the fact that he's not being, you know, made business manager of the year after having worked for three days carting Courtney about buying her milkshakes. Mm. She keeps showing up with a milkshake in her hand. She loves a milkshake. She's gonna... We didn't know at this point either exactly what had happened between her and no, him that's true. on Friday's, we'll the previous out. Friday's episode. I mean, it, it seemed like it was fairly obvious where it was going, but I'm, as we just listened to the last podcast just yesterday, we were talking about, you know, is it just a kiss and then he goes home or did they do the deed? And I said, oh, they definitely did, but we weren't completely sure at this point. But they'd make sure to tell us. Yes. So... And then they do it again and again and again and again all week. Um, so Ardy and Courtney in the bistro and, and she's like saying, oh, this is a date. And this is when we find out they did have sex. And he, he says he regrets it, but he did like it. See, this is why I find it really, really unsavoury and, and gross. And like I said before, this is the same storyline as what happened with Ray and Faye. So, hey, it does, it does, it does play into this sexist trope that you, like, it's impossible for a woman to take advantage of a man sexually because a man always wants to have sex, which isn't true. <laughs> Anyway, she starts playing footsie under the table when Amy walks in. And he, like, jumps out of his seat. Bashes his knee on the table. I just... Uh, the thing is, you can't do this storyline anymore, can you? Like, like this this storyline, like, thousands of years of, like, of history and storytelling and things, this would have been completely fine. And, like, oh, a funny, randy, raunchy story about a guy having an inappropriate affair with an older woman. Lucky him, eh, guys? You can't do it anymore because there's so many connotations and and power dynamics involved. It just... I just wish they had thought about it a bit more because it could have been funny, but I just can't let go. <laughs> right, I anyway, can. I won't keep going on about it. Courtney, um, Courtney drags him away from Amy because she seems to get jealous. Doesn't she? Yes. Um, Amy goes to number seven later and she finds... Well, Courtney comes downstairs going, oh, I'm going to get another bottle of whatever. And and, Ardy, and Ardy's oh, like, yeah. who's there? And then runs downstairs in his pants. <laughs> this, this isn't the first time this has happened, but every time it does, I'm just baffled. People wondering, oh, I hear somebody has come to the door. I'm just going to check in my pants who it is. <laughs> what? It's Amy. I, I hope nobody catches me. 
I better run downstairs just so that they know yeah. what's been going on. And he's like, oh, sorry, uh, this, well, is, he just this is what it, it looks like yeah. because he can't think of a way to explain it. If he had come downstairs, here. they could have played it off like she was going to have a shower or something. But yeah. anyway, she Amy's not impressed and uh, Courtney doesn't care. She drags him back upstairs with another bottle. Yeah. Again, see, getting him drunk. This is what happened to Amy. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Okay, right. So Ardy goes to the shop later and Amy's like, wow, you... I don't even know what to say to you. I've loved Amy's reaction to this this week. Not just this, when, like, she she could have just been completely judgmental and railed, and you know, laid into Ardy straight from the start, but she just kind of gives eyes like, I can't believe what you're doing here. Yeah. She should be a you little bit more me. miffed, because, I mean, he describes her later as just being a mate, but I thought that they were kind of semi-dating-ish just a couple of weeks ago. Well, She's obviously not that into it anyway, and she's just like, I can't believe it. But So I, I enjoyed that, but I also did very much enjoy her telling um, telling Courtney where to go later on that week as well. Yeah, so, um, uh, so this is when Ardy's like, look, I, don't, I, I literally don't know what to do here. I'm trying to keep everybody happy, which to me is another sort of indication that he's not actually doing Being it coerced. because he wants to. Um, so Courtney goes around the house later again tonight looking, she's like, oh, I was looking for my glasses. You didn't know I had, why she will need glasses for if she's not wearing them normally? Well, I guess she's got contacts. Yeah, but she take them out then and he didn't notice her pulling something out of her eyeballs. I don't know. Anyway, so he's like, come, she says, come to um, a Weatherfield County match later. I've got two tickets and Darren's not coming. And he says, no, I don't want to. And she says, well, that's going to start looking suspicious, isn't it? You need to think of your job. So Ardy agrees. <laughs> they go to a hotel bar later before the match and she's still flirting and saying, I'm not going to leave Darren, but I'm going to have a little bit of fun. And uh, speaking of which, I booked a room upstairs and I, I guess you didn't really want to see the football after all, do you? Let's just go and shag anyway. Uh, which I guess they do. Ardy yeah. comes home later and Dev's telling the girls that Darren was supposed to have had a... This is when Amy and... Um, Asha, Dev's telling them that Darren got stood up by Courtney that evening and they were supposed to have dinner together. Yeah, because the rumours are going around this week that Dev keeps reporting that that Courtney's playing away. Yeah, and and he's getting concerned about this. Mm. And Amy's looking at Ardy, who's got this great big red lipstick mark on his neck and she's like trying to like wipe her neck and point like hey what and he's so dumb he doesn't get it at all and he she manages to intercept dev before he sees this mark and uh tells she leaps up and tells him and um privately and and she says to him i thought you wouldn't see her anymore and he says i can't help it <laughs> so on wednesday in the shop this is this was <laughs> I know some people would have hated this. This is brilliant. But this was the, Dev saying the golf club rumours are that some Courtney's letting somebody other than Darren putt on her green. Well, he says, he, what does he do? He's like, oh, you know, there's ladies present here, so I'm going to... And Amy's like, I wish you hadn't said that. <laughs> yeah. So he says to Ardy, look, keep your ear to the ground. If there's anything that could put this business deal in jeopardy, I need to know about it. And Amy's like, yeah, you don't want your balls going in a bunker. <laughs> Dev's like, excellent golfing metaphor, Amy. It we must so all cheesy. keep our balls on the fairway. It was, you know, yeah, absolutely. If you if you hate Dev, this kind of Dev, Max Dev, yeah, you, you'd have you'd have you despised this. But yeah. we were, I was there rolling about. That was brilliant. Very well plotted. And so, very well scripted and performed. Courtney I comes round number seven and gives Ardy some disgusting present. 
Yeah, I assume it was a pair of pants. We well, he wears that. it later and he says something about the plastic. And it's like, oh, I don't want to know about this. So I'm sorry, <laughs> but this is horrible. He tells her about the golf club rumours. And she's like, look, I don't care about that. They're always gossiping about something. Go upstairs and put this on and come and find me later. Oh, so grim. <laughs> so in the shop later, Courtney and Amy have a bit of a face off. Because Courtney's um, drinking an energy drink that she just grabs off the shelf. And Amy starts having a go at her, saying, look, you can't just go around doing what you want all the time. You've got to pay for that. Um, and you, you're... I don't like you, you're toxic. And, I, and Courtney's saying, oh, you're just jealous. You're just using... You, you don't care. Um, I don't know what she's saying, but Amy accuses her of using RD. And oh, Courtney does that whole thing, like, you don't know what I've been through. I've got an MA in business. I'm not just a pretty face. Right, okay. <laughs> I don't believe you've got an MA business, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think she's maybe been talking to she Stephen about getting a certificate forged. She literally hasn't said anything businessy this whole time at all, has she? I thought she did um, I don't. one episode last week that was supposed to be her she went. She went, oh, seat. I'm going to see your business plan and it looks really good. I could say that. <laughs> I've got an MA in business. <laughs> anyway, Ardy walks in on, on the tail end of this um, com- conversation uh, to hear Amy accusing... Corny of being a manipulative princess who takes advantage of teenage boys to make her sh- sugar daddy jealous. Oh, and this is when she's like, I don't need uh, any man. I've got masters in business. I don't need a sugar daddy. Go on then, start your own business. What are you going to sell? <laughs> Stolen energy drinks. She storms off. Ardy follows her. Um, they end up at the precinct and and Ardy's like, you know, sometimes you do come off as a bit up yourself. And she's like, oh, how could you say that? <laughs> Look how great I am. <laughs> I'm so fun and cool. I drink milkshakes. Not like normal women. Normal women do things like drinking water. I'm cool. Anyway, she assures, um, she he assures her that he does like spending time with her, but maybe they should cool things off and please don't be horrible to my friend Amy. She's a good person. And, she tells Ardy, if he carries on like this, he can start looking for a new job again. See, if you don't do what I say or react in this relationship the way I want, you can go and find another job. Coercion. It totally is. Ardy goes back to the shop and has a go at Amy for having a go at Courtney. And he says, I don't need you to protect me. I can look after myself. Thanks very much. Then he gets back home and Deb's like frantic because Darren's called him into this meeting tomorrow urgently and he thinks Darren is going to pull out um, and Ardy's like, well, nothing I've heard has made me think that. I don't think you should worry. And he calls, Dev calls Ardy his sleeper agent, doesn't he? So he's got the insider track on all stuff. On Friday, it's just really funny because Dev's had a, a nightmare about this meeting with Darren and in it, um, Courtney's wearing concrete shoes or something, yeah. which I thought was weird. And um, Ardy says, look, I, I looked over all the figures. I can't see anything that's going to spook the horses. And Dev sits Ardy down and says, do you think Courtney might be in love with me <laughs> or fancy me or something? And I was like, I don't think so. I don't think you need to worry about it. Um, maybe maybe the whole thing, should we should just let it go. Maybe it's too much. And just like, no way, man. In the bistro, Darren and Courtney are bickering about having to go see the accountant next. And Courtney says that this accountant fancies um, Darren. And she's also wearing a different outfit and took a long time picking her clothes because she doesn't like to be judged by the way she looks by the accountant. And this is when they have a meeting with da- with um, Dev and Ardy about all of these 
figures about this takeover so that they can talk to the accountant. I, I was a little bit let down by this meeting. Like, obviously... I, d- I didn't expect that Darren had found out that Ardy and um, Courtney had been getting it on or anything, but the way that it had been built up and Dev had been worried about it, I thought oh, it must be something serious, and it it didn't really turn well, into seems, be much. I in don't the know end, that they it, didn't really make it clear in in the episode, but it seemed logical to me to assume that Darren says, "Look, we are going on a cruise like the day after tomorrow." So obviously he's now gone. Oh crap! I've got to talk to my accountant before I go. I need a meeting with you in the morning. Mm. That's what I think happened. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so yeah, the, Darren's like, "Oh, we've got to go on a Caribbean cruise," and Ardy seems really jealous about this. And then Courtney talks to him like, "Well, I- I'm going on a cruise because I don't like you anymore, and uh, maybe I'll find a boyfriend when I'm on when I'm on um, on the cruise, and I've just got a load of bikinis in my bag, blah blah blah." And then she realizes that this is getting getting to him. So then she invites him back to the house for some rumpy pumpy. Invites him back to his own house. As a goodbye present. So they go round number seven and there's very desperate snogging on the sofa. Um, she wants, she's like, let's do it here. Let's do it right here where anyone can see. And then he looks up to see someone is watching. It's his dead mother. Oh, yeah. Sunita's picture smiling down at him and he's like no 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 let's let's go upstairs and they get up to go and, and you paused it and you went what do you reckon someone's going to come in through the door at this exact moment and, and lo and behold Dev comes in and he Ardy has to bundle uh, Courtney into the kitchen where she hides behind a wall as Dev starts fuming on about such a disaster and a catastrophe that's happened now and we learn that he's mad because he feels like he's lost his touch at golf and he's <laughs> crying on the sofa and having a massive hissy fit about it. It's like it. regressing into an infant state, isn't it? Yeah, this was great. I this... loved Courtney's reaction because she's, she's there back up against the wall in the kitchen, finding it hilarious, seeing Dev acting like a child. And um, this this half of the episode was written by Joe Parkinson, wasn't it? It, it was, it was, yes, yeah. Yes, in his first... Uh, writing credit on the show. Yeah, story producer Joe Parkinson. Yeah, wrote the script. Writer. I, I thought stuff. it was hilarious. I, <laughs> I, loved I did Dev. enjoy that. Um, so I would love, imagine how fun it would be to write for Dev. So Dev there decides, he's like, oh, I'm so sad, I want some wine. Oh, the wine's, the wine's calling to me. And then he starts like doing this exaggerated tiptoe dance and to get to the kitchen to get the wine. And obviously Courtney's there um, and they're both freaking out. And Ardy's like, oh, no, I, drank, I already drank the wine. Um, sorry, sorry, you have to get some more. So he manages to convince Dev to leave. And then Courtney comes back in and gives Ardy a big snog, grabs the wine that was supposedly drunk by Dev and has a taste of it. And then it's like, bye. <laughs> See you in three weeks, I guess. Maybe. Um, then Dev gets back from the shop and he's, I don't know if he's drunk a bottle of wine between this corner shop and his house, but he's maudlin all of a sudden and teary-eyed, thinking about the fact that he's missed the 10-year death anniversary of Sunita. Well, he said that the wine that he got was one of Sunita's favourites and that got him thinking, oh yeah, she died 10 and a bit years and ago. And I forgot about it and I didn't mention it at the time, but now I've remembered. And he sits down with a picture and he's sort of saying to Ardy, oh, she'd be so proud. And then he puts his hand down the side of the sofa and he finds a bracelet and he's like, oh... What, what's this? And Ardy's like, oh, it's Ashes. Give, give it to me. I'll, I'll make sure to give it back to you. And Dev's like, oh, you're such a kind-hearted, thoughtful child. And uh, that's, that's that. Yeah, I was, I was 
just a little bit disappointed that Ardy was able to um, put those flames out before the inferno started raging over the bracelet. Because when Dev finds it, I thought, oh, what's going to happen now? Oh, we just says it's ashes. You know, it's a. I don't know whether anything's going to come of this. I suppose there's no reason for Ardy to go running to. Um, Courtney now to say, wait, wait, before you go on your cruise, you must have your bracelet. So I'm guessing that this story is just going to sit tight for three weeks. Or maybe Ardy's, uh, Dev's going to say something to Asher about the bracelet. He could say that, but then and that sounds like the sort of thing that could be a cliffhanger and then for the break. And then after the break, Asher goes, oh, yeah, yeah, thanks, Ardy, because... Yeah. Does, yeah, she, does she know? No, she doesn't. She doesn't know at the moment, does she? It's just that Amy that knows. So maybe Amy and her could have a conversation about well, it. Although I, mean, I don't think Amy would betray Ardy's confidence. Ash is bright enough to think, why is my brother asking me to pretend I, this is my bracelet? I guess it belongs to a girlfriend. I'm going to say it's mine and he's going to have to bloody tell me what's going on. Mm. Although I think if I was Asher, like, I'd be like, oh, I'd want to I'd want to make a big thing of it about, oh, Ardy's got a girlfriend. Like, because... She, she, she could very well just say, it's not mine, he must have a girlfriend. This is hilarious. Well, He's only depends. had one girlfriend before, R. Kelly. Yeah, it depends on what she... what she Depends on how desperately Ardy looks at her with his eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, I'm... Um, what? I'm, very, I'm, just, I'm just enjoying everything about this story so far. Um, I th- I'm particularly pleased that Amy is having this reaction and she's just so sensible isn't she in in this storyline which you know let's be fair to it is made up of comedic or over the top sort of characters you got Dev who's say no more you got Courtney who's over the top boobs pouncing kind of girl and you got Ardy who is still being a bit goofy about everything Amy just comes across as being totally sensible voice of reason in the whole thing and I think that that's it's a, it's a, yeah, I, I'm enjoying the element that she's bringing to it. And I think that coming out of the Aaron storyline, she's obviously got a very um, recent perspective on yeah, but I unhealthy don't like, relationships. Yeah, but I don't like this idea that she's in the wrong here because the show wants this to be sexy, sexy, sexy. I don't think that we are, I don't think we are supposed to think that she's in the wrong. But then how I think that we we're adore- supposed to be also watching onto no, it and saying, so. well, I'm going to watch this could completely catch fire and watch this bridge crumble. And Amy's right, but... Amy's going to come off at the end of this being in the I told you so position. And I think we're kind of supposed to be on her side. I guess you can watch something... It's one of these things, like, some people are going to say, you can't be coerced if you want it to. It's not wrong if you both want if you both want this to, relationship, but do you to think me, that that's why they're having him say that? That's not why. That's not what I'm seeing here. I'm seeing not that at all. And I, I would argue that there are certain situations where it is never appropriate at all, ever, ever, ever. Even if both people think that is what they want, there's just not. It should not ever be accepted. Like for example, teacher pupil relationships in you know. And so, yeah, any any relationship like that, just wait until you're out of school and then if you want to pursue the relationship, whatever. But anyone who's got a position of power over anyone else, I'm just always going to say, I don't think it's... I just uh, Even if you both think it's good, I just think it's wrong. And I think these things probably do happen an awful lot in real life as well, I'm going to say. <sighs> um, but you're right, he's, he's definitely showing that he'd rather the whole situation just went away. 
but but yeah, on the other hand, he's saying I'm actually I'm actually loving this because he's just a horny teenager. Uh, I um you know I I I can't. You'll know it's gonna he's gonna fall flat on his face and the business is but, gonna the deal's not gonna go through and it's all yeah. Gonna... But at the end of it, we're not gonna have gone. Oh yeah, it is wrong to prey on teenagers. Yeah, I I think that you know probably at the end of it. The but final then, scene of Courtney and uh, Darren are just going to be them bickering off into yeah. the distance and that'll be the but end I of that and she won't really have learned the lesson. The other thing that we say quite often on the show, on this podcast, is everything can't be an issue storyline. Exactly, exactly. And I'm glad that they're having this one that is kind of skirting along being an issue storyline, but it definitely isn't one. But my issue and I'm is feeling, oh good, I'm not needing to learn or be moral about this. the back of one that we've... The, the Amy storyline it's just come off the back of it yeah I'm so but this this is something different I'm just, I don't mind and I'm sorry to all the people that are getting well, very outraged about this and I know that there's a lot of people that are feeling that but well I'm, it's I'm good not. to have d- two different points of view we can't always agree on everything and yeah you know the thing is it does send problematic messages that make people think this is acceptable that's all I would say it does. I'm, I'm I'm a bit disappointed that I'm guessing we're going to have a three week gap in this now. I'm looking forward to this Maybe. and coming back um, later in August. Um, well, my I, my biggest problem with the storyline is that they're not as rich as they say they are. Because why would Courtney be running around with a plastic bag instead of a? Oh yeah, you didn't like her, her bag, bag, did you? So cheap looking. The the way the strap was like standing up on its side because it's made of plastic. It's like, come on. Well, if you spend why... all your money on milkshakes, then you got to cut. Uh, Are you telling me that none of the actresses in the show have got like a handbag that they don't use anymore that is expensive that they could lend you? Really? (laughs) Maybe they don't like the actress. No, my bag. Give her a plastic bag. (laughs) My biggest problem with this storyline is it's made me realise that it's ten years since Anita died. I couldn't believe that when they brought it up. See, I was saying last week, I was saying I can't believe I watched um, Ardy grow from a baby into a man. Mm. And you're like, whatever. And this week you're like, Sneer's been dead ten years. Can't be true. Again, thinking about it, it makes well, sense dead, because, you know, Paul Kershaw's wife was in it. She died in 2012, the year the podcast started. And then but he how... was the one that was, um, he was the one that was, um, how did, was that? I don't know how this is linked. He was, he was the fireman that was involved in putting out the fire uh... that was at the Robus. That must have been 2013, I guess. But I, honestly, I would never have thought it was that, that long. But what do you know it was? Nice to. Uh, How does this um, link into Ardi uh, and Ash's uh, time jump agent? Well, yeah, exactly. Don't go down. <laughs> Sorry, there. what were you saying? Uh, no, I just I'd be interested to see if they do have some kind of tribute to Sunita because it sounded like they've had that... one. Have that they? was it. They ju- they just did it. Well, no, they they were talking like we need to have some kind of thing to mark the ten year anniversary, the belated ten year anniversary of Sunita's death. They could ask the actress to come back. Be quite nice. Get Shobna to, to yeah. come in and do something. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Okay, um right, so the <laughs> she poor could come back, oh, you're making a mistake. <laughs> Um, poor poorly Paul now yeah it's a Sunita there's a couple of characters that have got smiling portraits that just gleam down on all the drama there's Sunita Betty. she's always there Betty Deirdre and number yeah. one that one of her going Wee. Deirdre's always gurning at everybody's crazy yeah anyway so the Paul storyline really good week this week and we got to see more of Shelley um, who I very much enjoy as a character so um, Billy's offering to come along to the MND clinic with Paul at the beginning of the week Um, but he 
he said, I've got a meeting about sustainability and climate change in the church, which I'd rather not go along to, to be honest. Paul's like, no, it's fine. You Lovely to have someone as supportive as you, but I'll go myself. So he gets there to the hospital clinic, where I was a bit confused about where it was supposed to be. Was it Weatherfield General? I don't know. It looked an awful lot like it. And Shelley is there. So she was the lady in the wheelchair last week at the MND support group and uh, just so happens to bump into Paul again the very next episode. Well, I mean, it's not really surprising. They're both at an MND clinic. True, but, you know, is this a, is this clinic kind of running all the time or is it just a once-a-month no, thing? Well, it's, what I, little I know about hospitals is that they do have clinics where they'll have a day where they just everybody has an appointment who needs something for that. Oh, then, okay. Well, because they have different... They do different things on different days. Like, some some doctors will only do certs, um appointments on one day because they do surgeries for the rest of the week all right except for example um did you see um here's a bit of trivia did you see that the place where they filmed the m&d support group was the same building that the aa meeting was the blanche and peter at the aa meeting nice nice which is 14 years ago um so Shelley's there. MND is not as funny as alcoholism. No. He sits there kind of awkwardly for a few seconds after their brief meeting last week and then he apologises for running off and she's like, don't worry about it, Lou. everybody does. I did the first time that I went there. It's scary kind of looking at, you know, what your future could be. Um, but, you know, what's going on in that room is your future. You can't run away from it. And then she she just kind of she's gets really in, dark. She's very, very dry and dark in I her sense of humour, isn't she? I, I love it. I think it's I think it's great um that she's and he's being you know he's being confronted with somebody who has clearly come to terms she's uncompromising with with what's going to be happening to her so being honest yeah yeah she's she's fab um and she she talks about it being a great place for death hacks like tips for what to do before you kick the bucket um and she says oh you can get away with saying or doing anything i could get away with murder and he's like i got away with stealing a car (laughs) so as the as they're sitting there he kind of warms up to her sense of humor which is quite nice and he makes a few jokes as well and she's like yeah nice one i wonder whether she by sitting by virtue of sitting in this building where when the other week when blanche where blanche was once at her perhaps peak Maybe she's infused with the oh, spirit yeah, of Blanche. Maybe, maybe. I think it's one of those nice things that, you know, this story is obviously mega miserable and sad, um, but there have been moments of levity, like the darts tournament the other week, and, and this character is another one that's been brought in how, to, to be kind of, to be funny and like... How would you say that this was compared to Sinead's story? Um... I mean, Sinead, you you stopped watching at some point, didn't you? I can't remember when you stopped watching it, but Sinead did have her kale smoothie drinking friend, didn't she? What, who killed her? Hmm? What? No, Sinead's friend. I thought her friend was the one who killed her by telling her not to did it. Oh, she did a little bit. Um, Well, that's not... It's more comparable, I'm thinking, in more than one way, to Hayley's story. Because yeah. there's obviously the the self assisted suicide or whatever they what do they call it self killing. I think it's if you if it's self assisted suicide, it's just suicide, isn't it? Okay, assisted suicide, assisted assisted killing is what they call it, and that was obviously assisted a thing with killing. I think that's what they called it. Oh. Yeah, they I didn't thought... use the word suicide in this. Um, I don't know why they've got to they've got to couch it very carefully and in a kind yeah, of yeah they've got to look at the like sense gently of gently to put shush, it in, shush night night for others. Um, so that that was so Haley obviously went down that route, but Haley also had a friend that they met that she met at a pancreatic cancer support group, and I I think she might have been quite kind of frank and 
outright about, yeah, I've got pancreatic cancer, or what can I do about that? And then that character dies, and it kind of puts things into perspective for Haley. So if they go down the same route, then maybe Shelley's not going to be long for this world. I don't but think she I, will I, be. You don't think she will be? Do you think we're going to see her? I think her? she's the one that dies to prove the situation is serious. Just like one of those red shirts in Star Trek. I thought it was interesting how Paul tries to ask Shelley, how long have you... He doesn't even get a chance to get yeah. the question out, does no. he? He wants to know like how far down the road is she. And she's like, stop there. You can't measure your progress against mine. Everyone's um, disease is different and it would drive you crazy to think, well, if she's this many months, and that means I'm going to be like that in that many months as well. So I, th- I thought that was a brilliant way of kind of her saying you've got to accept what's going to happen to you but Ugh. you can't let it completely control you otherwise it's going to drive you crazy yeah so she's she's there just making giving him some important messages but also delivering a few funny psyche quips as well and then paul gets called in and she says ask the doctor whether you'll still be able to play the piano and look at the look at the look on his face He's, i think that she was being quite classist to assume paul couldn't play the piano well, they did have a piano in the flat for just a bit, didn't they? Till um, old scrote bag destroyed it, whatever his name was. Um, yeah, and then you can tell that Paul is warming up to her way of looking at things because when he comes out of the appointment later, she says, "How was your appointment?" And he says, "He says I'm cured." That was, I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was a really nice way of of them bonding over you know the dark humour over the situation. Yeah. Um, and he starts asking her about the food tube that she's going. She's got to go around the back of her and up her nose and they have a bit of a laugh about that and she talks about it being hard to squeeze a bacon butty through it and um, he's then the kind of the, the mood drops when he's like, like, you know what, I'm really scared about this and she yeah. says that she is too. If you weren't scared, you, there really would be something wrong with you. Um, but, you know, you need to take back control of your life, plan for the future while you still can and if there's anything you want to do, like jump out of a plane, like Bill Roach, or get married now's the time so this puts the idea into the audience head oh maybe paul's going to propose to billy because we've all been thinking it for you know for yonks haven't we is this going to lead to Corey's first gay wedding and although it ends up going down that way there's a nice little kink in the road he's he has got something else that he wants to ask billy first this was this um wedding setup is interesting to me because i remember when Rana and Kate were going to get married and then Rana died and everyone was getting up in arms and complaining about the kill your gays trope. Mm. This is literally could not get any more feeding into that. I know. Issue that they've had. Going to have a tragic wedding. Where you know that Paul's going to die. There's no way out of this. It's not like he's going to... Yeah, there's no cure. They didn't misdiagnose him. I can totally see further down the line, you know, is Paul going to keel over and die or take some kind of noxious liquid at the wedding on the honeymoon no and, and the people oh yeah or, or is he some, something's gonna happen on the wedding day that's gonna make things worse and then i can see the people on twitter and uproar saying oh yeah kill the gays just you you might you may well have got onto your first gay wedding 20 years too late coronation street but don't pat yourselves on the back too much because you're killing one of them off and yeah. you can see it happening but there's i don't know if there's much of a way around it not in this scenario, unfortunately. No. I... Uh, I just think they don't care. I just think that... Um, it's not they don't care about what people think. It's that they they can't... It's a very small amount of people who talk about this on, on Twitter. They just seem like they're a much bigger group than they are. And Coronation Street cannot just worry about memes and, and um, tropes mm. and people 
getting upset about them. And it is unfortunate that this happens, um, but they've got to tell a story. And I'd rather that they had a gay wedding at all. I think I would as well. And I think one of the things that does make this different still from the Kate and Rana is there doesn't seem to be a huge contingent of Paul and Billy shippers. No. You know, there were some really obsessed Kate and Rana fans, just like, you know, the Rob Ron fans on Emmerdale. I'm not seeing loads of people saying, oh yeah, Paul and Billy forever. I, you know, I, I've made my feelings about them clear in the past and I think that I prefer Todd and Billy. I think I prefer Sean and Billy. But actually, in the past month or two, both Dan and Paul have done some great work in making me properly care for this couple a lot more. So yeah, I'm, I happily see them get married. It, it is about time, but obviously we know where it's going to lead. My prediction has been the same for a while now. Paul is going to heroically sacrifice his life in some way to save somebody. And now I've decided that it's going to be involved in the Stephen storyline. <laughs> Why not? Because the thing is, okay, we'll get to it, but I, I don't think they're going to repeat history again. I, I would hope not because it it's 10 years, nine years since Hayley um, ended up taking her own life. And it feels... Very, very recent, just like Sunita's death did, I suppose. Um, and I think if they made it go down exactly that same route, it would feel like they're just copying themselves. And I also just want to say, too, that um, it just you don't want to get into the situation where you're like, well, the only solution if you have a terminal illness is, is to off yourself before you become a burden. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not just Coronation Street that's done this as well. I know that definitely... Um, EastEnders did because they had um, Doc Cotton helping somebody um, to end their life, didn't they? And I'm pretty sure Emma did. I mean, it's, I, I assume it's a soap staple now that they've all done it a little bit. It but you're right, be... you don't want to make it out like this the only way out. Yeah, yeah, and it's not weird that he's thought about this. Anyway, we're all getting ahead of ourselves, sorry. Yeah, sorry, because cause Billy um, is told by Paul, oh, I've got something important that I want to ask you in the flat later. Yeah. So Billy gets all excited, thinking, finally, at last. I mean, I don't know why Billy... I suppose Billy hasn't proposed to him because he might think, well, that's a little bit inappropriate. Like, does he really want to marry me Well, I was really confused about how excited Billy was, thinking, why didn't you instigate this yourself? Yeah, no, I just think that there's He's a big risk of Paul saying, what the hell, you want to get married when I'm about to die? How dare you think about that? You, just, you know, I, I think... Oh, yeah, Billy, uh, or him, Paul saying, I don't really care about marriage. It's yeah. not important to me. I'm not religious. So I don't I, see the point of I it. Think, I think I understand completely Billy's okay. hesitancy to, to be the one to make the well, first move. Billy tells Summer, doesn't he, that he thinks that, that he's going to propose. And, yeah, so and Summer's va- like, yeah! Summer vacates the flat so that Paul can come back later and in a, a very long-winded and slightly cringy way. Well, he's sitting there trying to trying to build up the courage to ask Billy this, this serious question and it's nothing he says is kind of like this is going to be a happy question. But Billy's sitting there like with this beautific smile on his face looking utterly thrilled. Well, Paul's kind of, kind of saying like, you know, I, I know this isn't going to go down well with you in, in the church. And Billy's yeah. like, yeah, that's I definitely where I do. I don't and, care about that. And, and they're, they're, I can't remember what else he says, but there, there are little clues in the way he says it that Billy, if he's got it into his head he's yeah, about to propose course, yeah. to, then this is absolutely going to confirm 
the, the, the idea in his but mind. It, but it made me laugh because the script was great because it was like, yeah, this is what you would kind of say if you're going to ask him to marry you. But equally, the, the expressions <laughs> match did not match each other at all because... Well, you know, it's a solemn matter, isn't it? A proposal. But, but well, Billy's like going, ah, yeah! And, and Paul, Paul's like, listen, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, but anyway, he what he asks him, him if he's going to uh, help him to end his own life when the time comes, that it's not, not like a straight away thing, is it? So when I get to the stage that I can't feed myself, I'm going to need you know, help to, to I do absolutely even be able everything. To speak. And I need you to be able to step up yeah. and carry out my wishes, which are to n- yeah. not be alive anymore. Yeah. He, I, like, he comes to this conclusion very quickly, didn't he? Um, and no, I well, it was based on this. It was based on what Shelley said. Where she says, "You've got to take back control. The only thing we've got is free will, and and when everything else is taken away from you, you could at least think I can pick when I die. If I'm going to have to die, I want to be able to pick when it happens." And Paul gets this fixed in his head because all he can think about is how his body will deteriorate and his abilities will be taken away from him and i'm sure he has been thinking about that for for the last few months but i think he jumped to asking billy to help him out just a little bit quickly i you know to he he may have had these thoughts and i suppose you know to be fair he did say look i'm gonna do my research first i want to find out how we can you know do it properly and you know I, I, there's other countries that you can go to and everything but yeah I think he he vocalised his thoughts about it just a little bit too soon I don't he? know I think it's good that he's open with Billy about it it's a big decision to make if, over the course of an afternoon he I, doesn't I don't, have a lot of time He well, and it's quite. not like theoretical to him, is it? It's not like if I ever get to the stage where it's like mm. when that happens, this yeah. is what I want. Yeah. So Billy's not happy about it. No, he's 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 like livid. He's like, you you can't be serious. And Paul says, look, I, I, I really I really am. Can you think about it? You you said you love me. And Billy's like, this isn't fair. How can you be putting this on me? Paul says, don't you talk to me about fair? Look at all the stuff that I'm having to go through at the moment. Yeah. The least you could do is you know help me you know, go along with my wishes with this. Um, and he's like, please, let's let's just talk about it. But Paul says, I'm not I'm not depressed. I'm being um being realist about this. I don't want to get in the way of people. I don't want to get to the point where I have to sit there suffering when everyone else makes decisions for me. Yeah. Billy's like, no way. I'm not gonna help you with this. It's wrong, it's morally wrong, it's against the law, it goes against my beliefs, I can't do this. Um, so Paul says, look, I'm just let me do my research first. And Billy's like, no, I'm not talking about this. And I've got, I definitely got some thoughts about some of the things that Billy said about his beliefs and his priorities, um, with that this week. But again, at this point, I think this is absolutely the right, or the, the, a believable reaction from Billy. And he, if he'd have just kind of gone along with it straight away, I wouldn't have bought that. So I I'm, I'm glad again, that Paul kind of got a strip torn off him by Billy at this point. To dump this, you know, yes, he's going through an awful situation, but to just out of nowhere drop this onto your boyfriend, that's kind of kind of a bit harsh, I think, Paul. Yeah, I mean, Paul's going to go through something un- unimaginable and tragic, 
but so is Billy. Yeah. Billy is going to have to watch this happen and then live with that afterwards. And, you know, he's perfectly prepared to do whatever Paul wants, but this is the one thing he can't do yes. for him. He would do anything for love. They won't, he won't do, do that. that. Right. Um, so Billy walks off. He's like, I can't, I'm not talking about it. I'm not even going yeah. to talk about so it. So Paul, Paul starts boggling away and finds a place in Switzerland um, where, where you can have assisted suicide. And um, he does a little bit of conversion, currency conversion, and it turns out that that would cost him upwards of £13,000. He's like, everything that I want to do just costs money at the moment. Yes, uh, it's cost a living. Yeah. Um, yeah, and inflation's just gone up again today. It's, it's all right, because this was happening last week. Cost so. of dying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The you worried about the cost up. of living? Cost of dying. Cost of dying's even up. more expensive than that. <laughs> Can't win. Tragic. Um, so he he gets maudlin about that. Goes to the pub, gets some drinks, to get some shots of blue stuff from Jenny. Jenny's a bit concerned about him, and um, and then Summer finds Billy in Victoria Gardens later, and he's saying, "Look." Well, she says, "Oh, were you engaged?" Uh, yeah, and he's, and he's like, like, "No." no. <laughs> nope. Um, but well, he she... he doesn't tell him what Paul has been saying. Thank uh, goodness, her sorry. Um, because she is still just just a kid at the moment, and I think that you can tell having putting that burden onto her would have been a bit, a bit too much. Fun. She can tell she's a kid because she's got her headphones around her neck. Yeah, that's what we all they all do. Sorry. Oh <laughs> yeah, you're look, um, Michael. No, no, no. We're still we could still be in the running for young. Yeah, if Todd can get young funeral director of the year, that he's the same age as us. We can still get it. Exactly, exactly. Hold um, on to that. Hold on to that. So um, Gemma's with Paul in the pub um, at the moment and he's saying, no, 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 I'm fine. Just leave me alone. Nothing wrong with me. He's Paul, um, to- Todd is there kind of watching on and showing a bit of concern as well. Takes the shot glass away from him and Paul opens up to him because uh, he, wants mates, his, he wants his booze back. <laughs> about what's going on today. And Todd can't believe this. You want to you kill yourself. This goes against everything that Billy believes in. This is massive. I can't believe that you... <laughs> annoyed about how Billy's reacted to this really you need to talk to Billy as soon as you can um, but as part of that conversation as well Todd also bit. I think Paul says something like that wouldn't you want to do the same if you were in the, posi- the position that I'm in and Todd's like well yeah I guess I would and with those words we kind of get the idea that Todd is maybe going to be willing to help Paul where Billy can't I know, this storyline, I feel like it's either going to end with um, Todd killing Paul or Paul sacrificing his life for somebody, but... I really, really, really don't hope it goes the way of Billy helping um, Paul die. And in my head, I've got a feeling that one of the other soaps has done an assisted suicide storyline with somebody high up. I mean, the fact that Doc, Doc Cotton was a was a massive Christian, wasn't she? And she was the one that had to help her friend die. I've got a feeling that I there's another person who, um, in another soap, who went through the same thing and it went against my relief. So it feels Billy's. a little bit cliche to have Billy saying, well, yes, I am an archdeacon, but if you need me to end your life, I'll do it. I think he really needs to stick to his beliefs and his principles and everything here. And, and I think that Todd now has got the... You know, he's got the in to, to be the one to help I Paul out if they go down this route. I think some people don't really understand the nature of religious belief. Because it's not the same as morality. It's not like Billy's like, no, God really says no. So I have to listen to what God says. Like, you can't eat 
fish, you have to eat fish on a Friday or you have to celebrate Christmas. None of those are in the Bible, but you know what I mean? Like, mm. it's not like some, it's not like a custom that's grown out of religious belief. This, it, this is a thing where I think that you will go to hell. And, and that he thinks he will if he plays a part this is in it. A, this is a sin. It goes against the Ten Commandments, which are, like, pretty basic. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it really... Do... The thing is about the Bible, too, is that you can pick something out of it and say this, and then you can pick something else out well, of it and say Well, Billy's that. the worst for that, isn't he? I mean, look at it. The, the fact that the, the part of the discussion in the, these episodes are about them getting married and... The, well, we'll the... talk about that in a minute. But... Yeah, but... I mean... In the Bible, though, the only real... When Jesus comes back for part two, the main thing he says is, you have to love God. And if you love God, everything's fine. And you can be forgiven of whatever you've done. But I don't think that counts if you... If you... If it's suicide. I don't... I just think... I don't know. uh, But if that's Billy's religious belief, he can't change it for Paul. And I would never ask somebody to go against their belief to do something that would make them ups- like if the- if Billy really truly thinks that suicide is like a mortal sin he couldn't be asked to do it because he would forever then think I have not only killed my boyfriend slash husband I have damned his soul to eternal suffering but I don't know at the moment whether Billy thinks that there's he's going to be you know partying with the angels anyway because there's still the whole matter of is he going to get baptised I know, but I this think is that... what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying about how... But, but my point is not that... My point is that religious belief is a different thing to morality. Mm. And, and with with morality, you can say, yeah, I don't think that's morally correct, but I, I can understand the arguments and perhaps I'll be willing to do something that's morally incorrect for the greater good. There's no such thing as the greater good here. There is only God and what God says and what Billy thinks God said. And if he thinks that this is wrong, he cannot do it. And it's wrong to ask him to. That's all I'm saying. I think well, it, it's a combination for Billy, I think, of being against his religious beliefs and what he thinks is morally yeah. acceptable. But so I'm it's not a arguing whammy. about that. I'm just saying yeah. that religious belief is non-negotiable. And I don't. it doesn't matter whether you think that's right or wrong. It's a fact. You can't change... You cannot argue with somebody's religious belief. You can only, you know... I just think that sometimes the way that Billy's um, strength of faith is portrayed on the show isn't you know, what it should be to be an archdeacon. This week, he was literally saying to Paul, you are more important to me than God. I can't remember exactly what the quote was, but they were talking about where they're going to get married or whatever, and like, you're my priority now, he was basically saying. And to have an archdeacon saying to his boyfriend, and, and is he just saying it because it's what he wanted to hear? I just I don't believe he would say that. If you're going out with an archdeacon, you and, and you know, or, or just a, a you know somebody who's a very strong Christian, you got to accept that for them, God will come first. But here's Billy this week saying, "Oh no, you come first, Paul." So it's no wonder that Paul thinks, "Well, maybe I can can persuade really him is, to help me out in this." It was a quite strange thing for Billy to have said that. That is, is like I said, religious people aren't pretending. They're not putting it on for their own convenience. And sometimes, yeah, maybe their beliefs are convenient and they pick and choose, but 
everybody picks and chooses to a certain extent about what they think is true and what isn't true. Mm. Um, I don't think that Christians or any other religion are more hypocritical than the average person, even though lots of people would disagree with me. You, but if you believe something in a religious sense, it is, it is non-negotiable. Yeah. So and then, unfortunately, I... that can be very sad sometimes. You, for example, if you think that being um, homosexual is wrong, there are people who disown their children. Hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, that's awful. But again, they're, they're, that's their religious belief. I'm not saying you have to respect a religious belief, but what you do have to do is accept that that is something that is a very deep... Yeah, core to... To them. I can't. I I can't uh, understand it. But you. That's not the point, is it? But with all of this, though, it's like, well, that's what makes juicy drama. And I can just see them going down this route. And I really, really, really hope they don't go down the route where Billy goes through with it. And, you but, know, for all we know, Paul's not going to end up um, taking this route. It's. I, don't it's think, a, you I think it's an interesting alleyway for the story to go down, and it's a fairly you know, makes sense for the story to want to go down the assisted dying route. They don't have to follow through, that's all I'm saying. Just because the character thinks that they might want to do it, it doesn't mean you have to do it. It's an interesting little subplot without it following through to that conclusion. But again, I just want to say that just because I'm saying this about Billy doesn't mean I agree with him or anybody's, you know, if somebody's religion is, you know, I, I chop cats' heads off and throw them in a bin and it's my sincere and religious belief that that is what you have to do i'm not going to say yeah okay you should be able to do that i'm just saying it's and it's a core belief you can't you 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 have to understand that that is uh, you know and the other thing i like about billy here is that he's been problematic in in a kind of modern cultural way about other things previously like when summer was talking about having an abortion yeah and he and he went completely ballistic um, and he was like, this is, you can't literally, that's murder. And I, I think that's good. And the thing that... He's just making up for all those drugs he did in the church, yeah, isn't he? He's like, I'm going to really, really stick to the rules now. I think it's good Come that, on my last chance, for I God. I think it's good that they're honestly portraying somebody with Christian beliefs. Because sometimes these beliefs do come into conflict with what modern society and modern culture says. Yeah, and like I said, that's that's why it makes it doesn't good mean drama. I agree with them, but I do understand that that is their religious mm. belief. Okay, it's just saying the same thing over and over again. I just want to make it very clear that I don't <laughs> agree with everything, but I like the portrayal of somebody having their beliefs. Yeah, and I I appreciate the addition of Todd to the storyline as well, who's maybe going to because later on. Okay, so basically. We'll come back to Todd in a minute. Paul gets home, finds Billy set in the table, and uh, Paul says, look, change my mind. Don't want to end my life anymore. I've had a chat with... This is kind of adds into what I was saying earlier, that he decided he wanted to do it very quickly, and now he's been supposedly talked out of it very quickly. But I suppose, you know, if you're going through this situation, you will just make these snap decisions and say, well, I can't, I can't control you? anything. I, I can't even imagine what it was like, but uh, what it'd be like. But anyway, he says that I wasn't thinking straight. Yeah. What? I was just going to say one more thing about religion. Um, sorry, I, I would I want them to do this with other religions too. I think the closest we ever got was with. Um, well, there was Rana, Rana and being gay. That's and... what I was trying to say. What, who was it? The brother. Um, Zidane. Zidane was like, no, it's not. It's but they still pussy footed around that, yes, didn't I know. they? This is what bothers me. That they they are prepared to be controversial and problematic. You know, I'm using inverted commas because everybody's got their own opinion about that. What what's problematic um 
about Christianity and and what you know having Billy say abortion is wrong, suicide is wrong, always and forever, no exceptions. Um, but they they don't really want to do that with any other religion, and I can see I can see why, but um, I just think it's a shame because there's a lot of um, yeah when when Rana um, but people can't be people aren't responsible with when Rana was going around people's... fancying Kate the the family was saying um, Sarah was saying oh the our family our friends will will yeah, disown was, you or whatever and see, they didn't quite want to say because the Quran says mm, or anything yeah but they they're more willing to talk openly about it when it's Christianity which is I guess a religion that more of the viewers will be familiar, familiar with. with yeah yeah it's, so, a, it's really interesting I'm glad that they they go they're talking more about Billy's faith in the story like yeah, me too me too so anyway Billy says look I was think I was expecting a proposal earlier to be honest um and Paul says well you know maybe that wouldn't be such a bad idea um you, will you marry me I'm not going to get down on one knee or anything and they and so he kind of gives a semi-proposal and Billy's thrilled and they have a hug and then Summer comes in and they all have a lovely celebration together. So now we have a new engaged couple on the street, go back to the Rovers to announce their news. Everyone's chuffed for them. I think Eileen was there as well. Um, Todd's looking a bit confused because... Yes, one minute he's there going, I'm going to go and ask Billy yeah, to kill me. Yeah, and he's me. like, Paul, is this really what you want? You want to carry on living when you can't do anything for yourself anymore? And Paul says, yeah, of course, which is why I think it was... Just a nice little breadcrumb that's been left that may be further down the line. I don't know whether Todd's going to be like, are you sure? You know, I got got quite into the idea of helping you along the way now. Getting I mean, a bit of extra business for myself. But... If Shelley were to be involved in this conversation, she might say something like, Todd can even get him sat down in the coffin and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she already could, prepared. She could make some brilliant dry quips. So maybe Shelley will die and that will, like you say, kick... Um, Paul into thinking, you know what, that's that's now staring me in the face. This is what I am confronted with. Why not just get there, to tear the plaster off now? And oh god, I, I, I don't know. I know we're being and, very and flippant about this. Todd, but can you be there to help me? Traumatic. And and that would obviously cause some great conflict between Billy and Todd. I I don't. It's difficult, isn't it? I don't want it to go that way because it seems too easy, and it does seem not long since Haley. Um, but equally, I can see how um, tempting it might be if you're in charge of this storyline and thinking, you know, can we have Peter Ash portray this condition as it worsens and worsens and worsens? Or is that going to actually be very, very difficult to do? I mean, they managed to make Sinead look kind of poorly at the end, but this is a whole, you know different Level. ball game. You know, the, the, the amount that he's going to need to be wasting away and everything, I, I assume... So it probably is quite know. tempting to want to end the story. I don't He's think been told it could be three years. Be three years long. This story's going to be over by the end of the year. You reckon? I'm, I, uh, right. I'm not. Prediction. Christmas. Stephen's trying to kill somebody. Paul's there. Todd, Todd and Paul have made a plan that by the end of the year, or very early in January, because January's boring and crap anyway, Todd will kill Paul and pretend it died was natural causes. And so that... Todd, uh, Billy will never find out. So they've got this pact, and then Stephen's gonna, I don't know, run over Sarah or Louise or something. <laughs> and um, Paul and Billy are two sides of the road, and Billy sees Paul's eyes, and he can tell that he's gonna do, he's gonna sacrifice himself, and he's like, no, don't do it. And then Paul's like, I have to. And then he sort of lurches in front of the car and dies. Yeah, there's only so much leaping in front of things yeah. that Paul's probably gonna be able Maybe to do. Maybe he'll January. have a wheelchair, and he can just. 
that would be more difficult to mm. drive through as well. I, I'm still wanting, speaking of wheelchairs, I'd love for Izzy to be involved in this a bit more. Maybe well, she he... will come into it when the wheelchair... Did he not talk to her about the He did, he did. He had like one scene with her. It felt like a token, of course, let's get Izzy involved. I'd like there to be more integration there, especially now Sherry Lee is back on the street. Um, And I'd also, if they're going to go down the assisted suicide route, surely Roy's got to be involved in this, even if it's just a a conversation, because he was completely against Hayley doing this, wasn't she? Even up to the point... Right to the very end, he wasn't happy with it. He he led her to believe that he was okay with it towards the end, but he never was, and he led there on the bed with her as she drank her noxious, toxic concoction, Um, but he... He was never up for it. And then afterwards, he was... He was so angry at her. Yeah, he was angry at her, angry Even at himself. He, yeah, he didn't want to go to her funeral, did he? he because so of the angry. way he believed that she'd manipulated him. So I think that Roy would probably have an awful lot to say about this. Maybe and it he would, would kind of make sense that's... Paul off. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I, I hope that we get a chance to, to find out because um, David Nilsson is still knocking it out of the park with every performance he gives. So um, absolutely make, make good use of that, So do you I think Paul would be like, hey... Roy, you killed your wife, didn't you, when she was sick? Is that good or bad? Well, I, I would, I would, maybe, yeah, maybe Paul, um, Roy's going to... I don't think anyone t- knows, apart from... I can't remember. I think only a few people know, including Carla. Carla and Anna. Yeah. But if if it is out there, and honestly... I, I don't think it is. That'd be really... I, I honestly have got no idea. Maybe Let, Let's d- say it is. Mm. Or, or maybe, maybe... Roy overhears people yeah. talking about talk it. Very and then, loudly and then about it. Dix is Nebin. Um, if he says the way that I felt towards Haley for the period after her death, yeah. I wouldn't want Billy feeling that about yeah, you. It wasn't, and maybe that's what it wasn't puts an easy thing. It didn't feel like the right choice to, for me. Yeah. And she made her decision and I supported her and I guess I regret it. Yeah. I I think he I think he did. But then Kathy came along and he soon forgot about her. Yeah. Anyway, Wednesday's episode um, starts off with Summer helping them to find wedding venues later. Scarborough. Scarborough is one of them, and I can't remember where else. But um, Paul's a bit surprised that they're not looking into churches, considering Billy's job and everything. But Billy says, look, I've, yeah, this is what he says, I've devoted my life to that place, and now I'm devoting it to you. And I'm like... So they- you d- hmm. Hang on a minute. This isn't like a busman's holiday. This is like one, yeah. of, one of your... Spend all the time in church. I'm not going there some wedding. football stadium or something. Uh, you wait till you find out what I've got planned for my funeral. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is one of the most significant moments in your life. If you are going to get married, you would want to get married in church because the Bible... I don't know. Yeah. I'm not even going to get into it. Paul, Billy has shown surprisingly <laughs> little care. But I suppose he's been thinking about the subject of marriage when he's been going out with Todd and Sean before that and he maybe has made peace with the fact that that's not not on the cards for him he's not getting he cannot get married in the Church of England no he said maybe we can go for a go for a blessing and Paul's like well that's not the same thing but I guess maybe that's where they'll go go to you can still have a civil partnership can't you I don't I don't remember I don't know I mean honestly I would love to sit the character of Billy in the church no, not in the church. No, you can have a wedding or a civil partnership. Yeah. But I want to sit the character of Billy down and like say, look, don't get offended, but I really want to know what's going on in your head. I, I don't think that civil partnership is as big a thing anymore. It, like, no, I since, don't think... Since um, uh, gay people have been able to get married, since, yeah. since gay marriage has been legalised, civil partnership, I think, has been becoming a little bit less necessary. 
Because that was the stepping stone in a way for for some couples, wasn't it? I don't know. No, no. So anyway, um, Bernie comes around. She puts her foot in it by talking about um, oh some of the big venues. You, they get booked up years in advance. You don't want those. And then she's like, oh yeah, you haven't got years, have you? Paul doesn't mind though because um, he wants something that means something special to the pair of them. I'm thinking, where's Bistro? Yeah. Victoria Gardens. It's right outside our window. Rovers, Rovers Return. Chariot Square would be lovely. Oh, please, anything other than that. And I think if Corrie's going to do their first proper gay wedding, do not put it at one of those boring places. Make it somewhere that's going to be memorable, please. Anyway, they haven't if, decided by the end of the If Phil with two L's can have a beautiful... Um, Marquee full of yes. flowers. Phil with two L's gets a mega wedding. That's the least they can have for Corey's first gay wedding. Emma, Emma and horrible Curtis yeah. had a really lovely wedding. I know. Anyway, that, didn't they not get married? They didn't get married. They? No, I thought they were at Chariot Square though. Well, it was decorated more nicely than <laughs> usual. Usually, is yeah. Anyway, um, Shelley's coming round later. Paul says, and Billy seems pleased about this. Bernie looks a bit concerned because I suppose for her it's. She's still thinking that I'm going to look at the future of my son. Um, But they don't really go down that route, particularly when she does arrive. Um, Oh, I've got a little bit of a note from the Darren and Dev storyline here. Nothing particularly important, that's fine. Shelley arrives at uh, the flat with her PA, which is the the nickname that she gives to her carer, which is another kind of um, funny Shelleyism. Cags, this woman's name is. I don't think we got a line out of her, so... Shelley says... She said hello and goodbye and then she sat and read a magazine. Yeah. Um, Shelley recommends that they get a stair lift ASAP in the well, flat. Well, she says don't wait till you need it, which is yeah. fair enough. Yeah, this is another, this was another time of Paul kind of taking on her sense of humour because he invites her to come up, doesn't he? Come up the flat. Nah, no, only kidding. I'll come down to you. So the thing nice. is, I don't know how he's managing to get up the stairs as it is because he, str- he struggles to walk and he's only yeah. got one good arm. It must be right... A- a real nightmare for him to get up and down those stairs. Well, yeah, his, it's his right arm that's dodgy, isn't it? So when he comes down the stairs, he's not able to hold on to the handrail, which I assume I don't is know on the right. They've got both handrails. I thought they would do. I don't I, know. In my head, I'm picturing a handrail on the right going down from their flat, but going up the flat, which I suppose would be the harder one. He can still use his left hand to hold. Also, if right you right have a stair lift, too deeply into this, perhaps you can use it to get your shopping up and down the stairs, True. which would be absolutely helpful <laughs> in a. In an upstairs flat. <laughs> think about the future. Yeah, think about the this, this, uh, resale value. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they go on, to the, go on to the cafe. <laughs> um, Shelley, um, Billy gets talking to Shelley about Paul looking into a sister dying yesterday. And he says, yeah, but he's changed his mind now. And Shelley says, yeah, you know, some people, that's a phase. For others, it isn't. Still kind of putting the idea into our heads that this isn't the last we've heard of this. Billy heads off for work later. Mm. Um, and Shelley mentions to Paul about the assisted dying and Paul says oh it was just a moment of madness um, and Shelley makes a, a offhand comment later on about um, things being a moment of madness isn't she? I can't she's like what. I can help like talk to me about anything oh yeah if you need the my we- help or if you have questions oh, about the wedding wasn't it she says which was weird because they go through the whole they sit down there her Paul and Billy, and they don't bring up the wedding. They don't bring up the fact that they're engaged. And it happens to be Bernie who comes in later and says, oh, by the way, did he tell you that he and Billy are engaged now? Why didn't this get mentioned before? I don't know. But yeah, Shelley, Shelley says that um, she'll, she'll help him out with plans, even if it is a moment of madness, the idea of getting married. So, yeah. No, I think she meant... No. I what, think what, what? she meant the moment of madness was the assisted dying. 
No, I, I don't. I think she... I can't remember now. I, I... You've written it down that way, and I think I remember it that way. She says this is to dying. Paul says it was a moment of madness. Getting married to your long-term partner is in a moment of madness. I think that she was talking about that. I can't remember. No, I think she's saying to him, listen, if you still want to do that, it's okay with me and you can talk to me about anything. I, I, who knows? Who knows? Because she hasn't said herself whether she has any plans for this. No. Maybe she's the character who will end up doing that. Maybe Paul will be asked to help her and then he'll be like, I don't want this for myself. No. Todd will, though. He's well up for it. No, I mean, he doesn't want... That down yeah. to him. <laughs> um, yeah, speaking of Shelley, we were we were pondering on last week's podcast about whether she actually had MND or not, um, and thinking that would be a bit odd if she did, but then maybe it'd be odd if she didn't to have somebody portraying it. But she she doesn't. The, the actress is called Shelley Rossington. No, she's not. No, so the character, sorry, is called Shelley Rossington. The actress is Natalie Amber, um, and she um she lost the use of her legs, um, Ten years or so ago, I think it was, maybe it was long, I can't remember, um, when she suffered a fall, so she's been in a wheelchair ever since, but she was training to be an actor and a dancer and everything, and she had to have a lot of time off after she had an accident. I don't, I don't know what the nature of the accident was, but she's kind of this not let, all... even though she obviously had a break, as you would do, she's not let it stop her pursuing her Performing. dream of yeah, being a performer. So she's she's been in Casualty Doctors, Silent Witness, like, Plenty of things since then, and so, I. Yeah. What? This is all publicly available. This isn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is all I just got. This is like. I know, today. but I just want to make it clear. This isn't like information. Like insider that, information. That is not. Is something that Natalie is not wanting no. anyone to know. She, I think she's like representing, um, uh, people who are, who are disabled actors. I think. Yeah, and I mean, really, it, it's different having say. Let's have a character who's got cerebral palsy. Yeah, we'll get the actor who's got cerebral palsy as well, whatever. It's different with this, isn't it? And I think nobody's it would arguing be that this a bit, is inappropriate. Yeah, but it would be fairly nobody's dark. arguing about this. This isn't something you need to worry about. This is no. perfectly acceptable. She is a wheelchair user. She is portraying a wheelchair user in the show. And and very very well. I I I. She's fantastic. I think she's brilliant. She's really great. She's she's so so good. Just just to add the. That dark humour, I mean, I, which we love anyway, to a story which could be bleak and miserable, and it still is. But having her, um, yeah, not just drop it, add in a touch of humour to it, in the in the face of darkness. Well, this is, is what I was trying to ask you about when I was asking you about Sinead, because I don't, I didn't watch Sinead's story, but I doubt that there was much dark humour. No, I don't think Sinead there was. Because Sinead and Daniel were not are not funny. <laughs> They're not humorous people. But Bernie, Gemma, and uh, Paul definitely are. I wouldn't say Billy really is, but they three characters that I feel deal with things in a humorous way, and they kind of say you have to just laugh um, because they've all struggled in their lives and had a really difficult time. And this is like the greatest test of that, I guess. And mm. it totally makes sense that Paul's, you know, jibing with uh, Shelley's attitude. Yeah, yeah. I, I thinking it is. It, I don't know how long it's been since the Sinead storyline. Three, four years, maybe. I don't remember loads of detail. I'm about sure that it, there were moments. There were there were of moments lightness, of, of but... lightness, but in the whole, it was fairly 
fairly tragic. Well, it was the it was the it was the it was the young lovers, the your beautiful blonde frail girl that's been taken before her time. She's just given birth to Bertie, isn't it awful? And and and, I, and there was also Beth being snarky and horrible about things. I think which spoiled it a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it didn't quite have that same. <laughs> Same level of humour song. Same raucous comedy as we're getting with Paul story. No. I I, I think it's great. Anyway, it's great. we've spoken a lot about... I, I, I want to see more Bernie in this. Because she can I also bring think... the comedy to it. And we got the stuff about her wanting an astrological themed wedding yeah, star cake. Star signs <laughs> on the top. <laughs> for, which was fun. But uh, I'll yeah. have to see a bit more of her next time. I think that if I was Paul, I would have asked Bernie to help me. Leave the world. God, that would have been tough. She, I think, she, I think all all mothers and fathers would say, I'll do anything for my kid. But there are very few who would be able to do this. Mm. But I think Bernie would. Do you? I think she would. Because I think that she's the sort of mum who can really make tough decisions and actions for her kids. Gosh, I don't know. I also don't know what she thinks will happen to Paul. Mm. Well, that's Does why she, she doesn't think... seem very happy to see uh, Shelley come along. No, but what? Yeah, no. Like she knows he's going to die, but what does she think will happen? She's very spiritual, but what's her oh. idea of the afterlife? Does she? I can imagine her thinking that you become one with the universe. Or, yeah, and if you know, is every... she, would she help him along the way to so he can get there quicker? She's like, you know, would she think I'm releasing your soul to? you know, back to nature or what does she think? God, that would be gut wrenching. It would be gut wrenching, but you imagine how fantastic that that scene would be. Even just the scene of, of him asking her and her saying, you know, I brought you into the world. I can take you out of the world. If that's what you want, I don't want that to happen, but I know that it will happen. And if if it's me that does it for you, then if he does go down that route, I do hope that there's an awful lot of soul searching on Paul's part before he asks her, and he doesn't just spring Flipping it on her answer. like he did with Billy this afternoon. But sometimes you can ask your parents things, or they that's what I mean. You know, parents, in theory, should be... Not, not that I think this is great, obviously, and mm. I don't think that anyone should ask their parents this. I always feel like I'm advocating for things that are outrageous on this show in a really kind of I still at the end of the day don't want this to be the way that Paul leaves the programme but I'm happy for them to skirt around the area yeah no I don't want it to be that way yeah but what if it was a really nice jolly holiday for Billy and Paul to go to Switzerland and they can all go and have lovely filming and um, enjoy the (laughs) nice holiday No, I no, I don't want it to end. Oh, that can you way, imagine if they had I'm to build an assisted suicide Switzerland? Oh my gosh! Clinic inside Coronation Street. They wouldn't do that. They'd just get the Weatherfield General set and stick up a sign in Swiss. You know it. Yeah. What's what's this <laughs> stick a Toblerone to... on the side and say, "Here we go. We're in Switzerland now." Get a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> doctor comes in with a Swiss Army knife, going, "Just got to find the right one for this." Yeah. Oh, just having a piece of Swiss cheese here. Nose. Yeah. Um, okay. So next up, we've got the stiff competition storyline, Gemma. Speaking of Todd, I'm over glad to you. To move on to something a little lighter, <laughs> a little lighter, even though it is about the subject of mortality. Well, again, people are going to find this in, in bad taste, but you know. 
What? <laughs> yeah, it was. It, I was. I, you know, I said I saw the pictures of this last weekend before we got to watch the episode, and I thought they'll have an award for anything on Coronation Street. I've like, never got an award. I, I, I know, but they. Yeah, the crime rate's awful. People are murdered left, right, and centre. Yeah. Everyone's a serial killer. But yeah. if you live there, you do have quite a good chance of at least getting nominated for an award. Yeah, you got your CV. Gold Heart Award. You got your Weatherfield Samaritan Award. Yeah. You got you got awards for everything. Hair, no, young. Stylist of the year. Didn't didn't Aggie have a nurse award? Yeah, yeah, she, well, she had no, she had the Golden Heart Award, didn't she? Um, and, and yeah, yeah, R. Kelly got the the Salon when, Award. Audrey got her Salon Award yeah. as well. When it seems to be a bit of an overused trope. I don't think people get nominated for awards quite as much as Coronation Street likes us to think. But like I said, there aren't as many serial killers in real life either. When Aggie got her Good Samaritan Award for trying to save Robert, even though he died, was everyone like, who? Who did you... I don't remember a guy called Robert. Robert what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember when I worked at the... I worked at the paper very, very briefly as, like, a work experience. And um, they were very... What's the word? Unimpressed by people that win awards. Because I was, like, going, <laughs> um, look at this guy. I was, like... Because we always... You get, you get press releases through all the time. And one of them was, like, local butcher wins sausage award. <laughs> And I was like, wow, that's cool. Look, he's won all these awards for his sausages. And I'm like, yeah, but people always, like, the people that win awards are the people that enter awards. Like, you don't... I'm just bitter because there are actually Teacher of the Year awards and I've not even had a nomination for that. No, it's rude. One of my colleagues did. Emma got nominated for that first first year she was a teacher at our school. But I didn't get it. But uh, she she was nominated. Nice to be nominated though, isn't it? Yeah. Although... uh, they, they did comment on this. Eileen was making a joke out of it, didn't she? Like she said, what's next? Most promising cat. <laughs> promising cat. That's great. Yeah, because you, you, they never live up to their potential, <laughs> do they? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right, what happened here, Gemma? So, Todd's been nominated for Young Funeral Director of the Year. And everyone... Even, even he's like, is that really a thing? And, um... George says, yeah, we used to call him the Stiffies. And he's like, oh, well, I can't wait to get my stiff. Anyway. Keep plenty of jokes about them. I could have called this storyline Todd gets a stiffy, but I'm better than that. Stiff competition is <laughs> stiff much competition more is elegant. <laughs> so um, they also talk about the fact that you could get a Lifetime Achievement Award, which Archie got. So that's nice, really Archie. nice. Oh, that, that was the joke that. saying, um, what, do, what do they call their Lifetime Achievement Awards? And George is like, they called it the Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Guys and Eileen talk about it in the pub later and Todd's not interested about it and Eileen hints that if he if he goes in for it he might get a pay rise. Well, I think that she kind of says to him, oh yeah, George was saying, she, she, yeah, she, t- she tells lies a little porky him... about that, doesn't it, to try and spur him on and it works. So on Wednesday, everyone's, uh, George, George is fussing around Todd because he's going to have a photo shoot and... Um, with Glenda. Glenda's there taking the photos and they're there was, gonna There was a couple of times this week where characters get brought in it's like, shall we get an extra in to do this? Or should we you know, why having Glenda being a, a photographer, okay? And there was also the scene we got with um Ed talking about his thirty third, was it, wedding anniversary with Aggie. It's like that scene was a bit filler. Um anyway, I don't mind. I I, I enjoy seeing Ed on screen but Anyway, um, he <laughs> um, anyway, so yes, George is defluffing Todd's suit at the beginning of the episode, isn't he? To smarten him up, like you were saying. And it, this is the regional uh, awards for the nor- best northern, even though they don't actually say it, it just says it on the poster. 
uh, but there are only two candidates, and one of them they is coincidentally. Uh, they're ri- arch rivals from Rest Easy. I assume there was only two candidates. I mean, it's a bit silly to think there was only two candidates. I know that it wasn't supposed to be... You- there was a mystery left at the end about who nominated him, wasn't there? It was supposed bit. to be his boss, but George says, no, it wasn't me. But anyway... Well, then, he's, then it should be disqualified because he was ineligible. Like, maybe... I, I don't know whether there was two to. candidates. There were just two people in the interview, which is weird. That's all we saw. I don't, I'm just making a joke. Sorry. It's stu- it was silly that and then they had to have an interview. Anyway, going. so so Glenda takes a photo and and <laughs> they make Todd wear a funny little hat and he he's like trying to they're like look humble he's like hunching over. I yeah, Gareth really did a good funny. job with that. So funny. Todd says I, I'm not doing this for my ego. I'm doing it for for the pay rise. And George was like I don't recall anybody telling you that. That's not going to happen. Oh yeah, and then Todd's reaction to that is what gives him the uh, the, the winning <laughs> photo. photo. Yeah. Um, and then the interviews were in Chariot Square Hotel, of they were. and and Todd is it's like Rest Easy versus Shuttleworth with Todd and this woman who was called um, Ellie, I think Ellie, and she's like, I I, I, I was sure when what? we watched her, I recognised the actress, but apparently this is the first thing that she's done on TV, so clearly not. So Todd's going, oh, the value of talking to clients, compassion helping people in a difficult time that's what the value of being a uh young whatever it is of the year funeral director and ellie's like actually i don't give a crap about this look at my graph about sales figures and todd's like they could have been a bit more subtle it was very very hammered in your face like this woman thinks that the funeral funeral business is all about money and Todd only cares about people which you is know absolutely what? He has rubbish. grown hasn't he because well, when he first became well, a funeral exactly. director he was trying to get Jules to change all his business practices and upsell yeah exactly he was so he has, he has grown as a character and funeral director since then and and Todd's like but we we may be old fashioned but we care and the obviously the, the guy who's like the the <laughs> interview is like I have a mouth, but I cannot speak. <laughs> He's nodding nod, along. Nod, write everything down. I don't know how they got the question. He was like looking at the next person, saying, "Are you gonna, are you gonna come back from that, then, eh?" Yeah, what are you gonna say to that, <laughs> Ellie? So back at the pub, Todd, Todd's confused because, yeah, this is when George says it wasn't me that nominated you. Eileen apologizes for lying about the pay rise, but Todd's like, you know, I don't mind. It's inspired me to finish off my funeral director exams, which apparently just, he's doing. I just had. To- a vision of what that entails like how many feet down should you bury a corpse and we show you a picture of a person you have to say dead or alive (laughs) dead yes (laughs) is it going to be like the Shona Rhino test when she was in hospital (laughs) dead or alive alive yes Actually, undead. That was a trick. Here's a zombie picture. <laughs> oh, well, you you get a B. I'm sure there's a lot of um, hard Very work important. that goes into being a funeral director. <laughs> no, really. Yeah, I know. I'm just <laughs> laughing about dead or alive. I don't want to pee off the funeral directors. They're going to be the ones that have the last say in what happens Hopefully to us. They won't. They'll forgive us, and however long it takes, and it will be a long time. So Arlene Ribbon told about the award, but because he, he obviously is now getting really. Uh, competitively wants to win because he didn't like Ellie either he thought she was a heartless cow he probably also came back from that thinking I've got this in the bag well she was there going look at my bar graph yeah anyway Friday um, Todd's pretending to be all like chill about it but he's obviously over prepared with his 
aftershave. The, the thing is that I don't get. Like maybe the awards are all about who can bury the most bodies in a year, who can make the most money. But I would have thought that uh, what's his name, Troy, might have known what the feel of the room was going to be when he sent off Ellie to do her pitch for herself. Like yeah. he'd have known it's not about that. I don't know. Maybe he thought it was a different award. Maybe he was sending her in for the cutthroat awards. <laughs> Maybe. So on Friday, um, yeah, we just said that. Uh, the ceremonies in Chariot Square as well. <laughs> of course. They filmed it all in a day. No, probably not. Uh, Troy and Ellie arrive and they're like trash talking, like, hey. <laughs> so Troy was the guy that um, yeah. George had a scuffle with yeah. out on the cobbles a year or so ago. Yeah, they've they, they've got to make sure they got the same guy back. For they that. did. Um, so we did we see I don't remember we didn't whether see we any see of the ceremony. An we, just see, no. we didn't see like a gaggle of kind of like pale faced black suited uh, funeral hope, young hopefuls wanting to make their mothers proud. No in anticipation. Of, it was over very. This quickly. whole thing that makes me could feel, have been a funny scene. But maybe they thought better of it. Maybe I don't think they do though. Because <laughs> like we we definitely saw the hairdressing awards. This, Why not this? This whole thing makes me think that this year the funeral directors award people were slipping a little bit, and they on Monday they were like, "Oh my god, we've forgotten to do the nominations. <laughs> just send out, just send out a couple of envelopes, and then yeah. Wednesday we'll just do the interviews, and Friday we'll just get on, get it out there." Yeah. When have you ever heard of like a like an award ceremony finding out on Monday and by Friday you want it? That is very good point. I think that they did it at the they last minute, rush and that's out why the there's door. only two nominees. <laughs> like they haven't noticed. Can keep going. Anyway, Todd's won. Uh, George, there was a 10 minute long speech and he forgot to, to thank George or even give him a shout out. Who, who did he thank in 10 minutes? But it wasn't God, was it? No. I thought, how on earth did he manage to fill 10 minutes without mentioning George? Who was I would the only have really liked that's... to have seen this 10 minute long speech of Todd's. What would he say in it? <laughs> I don't know. This is the kind of thing where I talk about... I don't really always like it when Coronation Street says about something that's happened and talk about this fantastical scene yeah, that was off screen. You can't like, have really a ten minute happen. long speech about. It was, it was like the thing about um, Glenda taking a picture of George when he was ch- a, a little whippersnapper being pooed in the mouth by a seagull or something. <laughs> that, that, that didn't happen, did it? It's oh, like a Mary, no, that's like funny. a Mary story. That's funny. <laughs> anyway. Um, so Troy, Troy's not going to admit defeat here because although his prodigy, Ellie, hasn't won, he's now interested in poaching um, Todd. So yes. he's he's like, oh, I see, uh, you're not going to last, uh, it won't be long till you fl- fly the nest. Um, and then he writes on a card saying, let's talk about your future. Missing apostrophe. Can't work for you. I mean, if Todd had seen this before George he White, he'd be like, nope, I'm not working for anyone that doesn't know how to use punctuation correctly, actually. Yeah. High five, Daniel. Yeah. How are you going to proof the gravestones? Oh, yeah. God, nothing worse than... There must we... be a bunch of urns behind him with just, like, so-and-so's ashes, but written wrong. Yeah. Anyway, so he wrote, he puts this, like, card in, in Todd's jacket, and George sees this. Back home, George offers... Todd's an extra £200 a month before or after tax, George. <laughs> and um, uh, Todd's thrilled. 
then in the kitchen we see George pull his hanky out of his pocket and Troy's card falls out and uh, it's obvious that George has swiped it to deny Todd his chance to work for Rest Easy but I think I don't think Todd would want to work for them because he doesn't care about making money anymore and he no, cares no, I about don't think so about giving the, the dead a good send-off. I thought it was quite interesting in the end how they did that, that we didn't see George swipe the card, but it, it came out at the end. Yeah, that was an interesting storytelling choice, which I thought worked quite well. Yes, so did I. Um, I, I. I don't know what... Was this supposed to be just, like, funny filler, or is this going to turn into a big story? I, I can't see it being more than... Well, it, it, if it's a George story, it seems... It's going to be a two, three week one and, and then it'll all be over with. But Well, I think that that um, there will be something where Troy turns up and is like, what did you think about my offer? Yeah. And then he'll say, oh, I didn't get. And then George will not be able to help but look guilty and it will come out. And then jo- Todd will get mad for an episode. I desperately yearn for a proper, decent, meaty story for Todd and his surrounding family. But maybe but I don't know how this can be at the moment. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess so, I guess so. So, so uh, talking about Paul and Todd uh, and Billy just quickly, do you think that that we will get to see a really massive, big, sad funeral for Paul? We've yeah. got to, haven't we? Oh gosh, yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be, it's got to be like the best funeral ever because even though Paul's not a hugely significant character, he's got you know the contacts. Mm. In the in the yeah, trade. the church and the, and the funeral actually. I mean, I, I guess that could be another. Um, salacious soap story if it goes down the fact that Todd has secretly helped um, Paul to end his life and he has to be there part of the funeral feeling kind of guilty and people saying oh nobody knows what happened to Paul and Todd's like going there might be a bit of a scandal that turns out the funeral director killed the corpse yeah yeah exactly it'll be like Richard Hillman at Maxine's funeral wouldn't it he's the one that did it but he's delivering the speech there so I don't know maybe maybe but I, as I, anyway, I don't, don't, don't get that. Um, right, finally. Is this finally? Yeah. Um, we got the Ryan on the Roid story. He's back. Um, Peter Carlo, a little bit surprised that he's back from Michelle's after only a week and a half, but I'm not surprised. I don't think I could stomach her for much longer than that, to be honest. Uh, but he's back and he's... We, before he went, we saw that scene of him looking in the mirror himself, didn't we? At his physique. And I was like, is he thinking, you know, I'm buff or I'm not buff enough? And it turns out he doesn't think he's buff enough. He's lost some of his... Um, pre-acid um, physique and he wants to get I it back so he's ordered himself £300 worth of fitness equipment I don't think it's trying to return to form I think he's trying to become more he's trying to compensate for his face with his body is what he's doing yeah yeah he is doing that but I think he said something this week about no, the fact that he's yes he said that but that's not true sometimes people say things that aren't true Michael what? it might be a bit of a surprise <laughs> to you anyway he's using that as a cover for what he's doing which is somewhat obsessive and unreasonable yeah. fixation on exercise. Yeah, it? so he's he's got all this exercise equipment. I enjoyed um, the scenes with him and Peter and Peter saying, oh yeah, I can do it. And uh, he, he, Peter has to go at lifting the weights, good doesn't form. he? Yeah, yeah, he absolutely. Tucking his elbow into his side, very good form. He probably got that to be trained how to do this. There's probably somebody just Health off camera going, wait, no, Chris, you're doing it wrong. Keep your elbow in. <laughs> um, anyway, that was kind of fun. I, I enjoyed Peter there. The end of the episode is him again looking at himself in the mirror and then getting a dodgy sounding phone call from somebody about making sure his next delivery goes to the Weatherfield address, not to his mum's house. And I think we all were quite clear. Um, 
clear about what that was going to be when it happened. And we were right. So on Friday, he gets a package um, delivered for him, but under the name of Colm McSweeney. I tell you what, <laughs> I don't know how he came up this with is that. genius level misdirection. No one's going to know this is for him. Colm. Has he not thought to himself that he can't keep this ruse up? Because the parcel came and Carl's like, oh, that's weird. Because first of all, you don't get your post delivered to your door when you live in a flat. It goes to the concierge or it gets put down in the, um, what's it called, area? Mm. What's it called? Public area or whatever yeah. it's called. And it's not got your name on it. So you're just taking, everyone thinks you're stealing someone's post. And she so says, are you saying that his choice is, does he change the delivery name to Ryan or does he keep Colm and carry on? <laughs> he changes Thanks. his name to Colm. <laughs> uh, but w- why bother? Because it... Is, does he really think that this is going to stop anybody finding out or him getting in trouble? I don't know. It's like, no, it's not mine. Look, it says Colm on it. <laughs> well, he said that he would take... He says to Carla, I'm going well, to take this it off. I know it belongs to No, he says, I'm taking it back to the post office because it's yeah. obviously not for us. Is he going to do this every time? Or are they just... It's Carla going to be like, do you know what? We've had five different parcels all to different random men. And... Uh, and Ryan keeps taking them into his room and coming out looking buffer every time. <laughs> I don't know, but if I was Ryan and I'd heard what Stephen had been up to this week, I'd be employing his services in um, post... Um, post what? What are you talking about? Getting. <laughs> What's the word? Post getting. Oh, <laughs> retrieval. <laughs> yeah, interception. Yeah. He's a, he's, a, he's a skilled guy, that is, Stephen Reed. Anyway... Stephen's like, don't worry, I'll sit in a foyer and wait for it to arrive. <laughs> Just give me one of them. I'll sit around by the bins. I'm gonna I'm gonna take some too. I'm gonna beat Tim up. So the story isn't just about Ryan on Friday. Daniel and Daisy also come into it, and I'm oh still finding it fairly uninspiring watching no. this part of the story. I was so I'm angry about what Daniel losing his pants. No, about Daniel. Like I know that we're living to the great inconvenience of what, four adult members of our family in a terraced house with not enough bedrooms. But I've said to those refugees that they could have my house for free. And oh, by yeah. gum, I'm not going to make them leave if there's nowhere for them. Like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm just going to have to make do with the fact that I can't ever find my pants when the washing's been I'm done. Just gonna f- I'm just going to, like, finger Tracy's bra. What was that about? Like, was it supposed to be obvious that that was Tracy's bra and not Daisy's? Because like, I, I think this know. is obvious. Yeah. Uh, to women folk, but not men, obviously. Like, they're not all one-size-fits-all, are they? No, but, you know, Daisy's a bit of a saucy lady as well. She's probably got some What's that got to do with how big bras? the bra was? Oh, I was just looking at the colour of it. Men. I don't understand bras. I was like, I'm right there with you, Daniel. But anyway, um, they also get the bit where they take one of Steve's boxes out and then he's like stretching it out wide Or Simon Gregson. Um, so Daisy um, is quite surprised to see Ryan when she comes out of the shop later and she's like, oh, you're back. Um, she tries to have a bit of small talk with him, but he scurries off, uh, which Jenny spies while she's, what are you thinking? Cleaning the front of the Rovers. It's um, all those dirty windows. <laughs> totally does, yeah. um, Daisy and Jenny have a bit of talk later about moving out and Daisy says that we just can't find anything Jenny suggests the canal quarter which is apparently the new name for Weatherfield Keys I don't know why, I don't know why, why Daisy is with this useless man that has a house and he's making his child live in this pokey little house with all the rest of his family so nobody is this noble are they in real life it's a really nice idea to as a single man give your house to a family in need but if you've got your own child 
and a girlfriend and you're you're taking advantage of your family's generosity and letting you live there and let's be let's remember they both wanted to move out together somewhere but they got crossed wires and they ended up moving into number one it was never the plan for them to live no, there no. so why it's just bonkers it's like you can't just write into the script yeah daniel's really into providing i don't know maybe uh, he'll change his mind when he rubbish. gets a 6.5 percent pay rise in the autumn term he's and he realizes that he can afford not working for proper school um, so anyway, um, we, we cut to Ryan, oh, Jenny's telling uh, Daisy about, don't be stupid, you were an idiot about Crystal, but I'm sure that don't he'll get Ryan over anymore. it. No, she says maybe you should oh, talk, to, talk Ryan. to Ryan. He'll get over it, just take your time. Ryan opens his box and, yep, there is little vials of steroids in there, and then he gets his needles out and injects himself in the arse with them. And I, I'm not a needles fan, I can't deal with needles. I just don't like watching them ever. And so I was very grateful for the fact that they, um... Didn't show the insertion in that scene, mm. but we we got we got a point, and and you could see that there was like um, a bruise. So he's been obviously doing this before. This isn't his first go. We we knew that from the fact that this wasn't the first delivery. But yeah, he's been he's been doing this for a few weeks now. Pumping iron. Um, and he's there pumping his iron later when Daisy buzzes up, and he's not interested in any apologies that she's got to give him. He's. Um, he's got roid rage he does have roid rage doesn't he's very he? angry and he's so, rude to her yeah well, this is when I, I was having a look up on the NHS website earlier about oh, what are some of the um, some of the well, what, what's a hemorrhoid not hemorrhoid <laughs> 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 what, do, what do steroids do um, how to get in it it's about stimulating muscle growth more quickly and what are some of the after effects or the possible side effects of them and yeah getting irritable and um, um Shrunken testicles is also a possible side Watch effect as well. So look out for that. Um, so anyway, she, she, he's mad at her. Tells her to bugger off. Um, well, just like, because he's been away and, and seeing my mum for a few weeks, it doesn't mean that I've changed everything. Look what you've done. He still blames his face on her. No, I think which is a bit harsh. Well, well I, he said that he did. Yeah, he I think that, that he he's saying things he doesn't mean because he's yeah. very cross. Yeah, so he sends her on her way, and then um, finally at the end of the episode, we get a gratuitous topless. We get him and Ardy on this top off this week. So honestly, honestly, when's it the girls' turn? Um, he's, they had the bra. You had the bra scene. We did get a look, a, a look, a look at, at Tracy's, Tracy's bra, bra this week. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best that we could do with. Um, and he's he yeah. Carla catches him taking a picture of himself, and he seems like he's kind of chuffed with the results so far, didn't he? Like he was kind of, sort of flexing his muscles in the mirror and taking a picture and kind of nodding at himself like, yes, this is making a difference. But he makes out to Carla that this is just a before picture and now he's going to do all his weightlifting for however many weeks, months he's planning to do this I for. I don't know why he's lying about And he's going to have an after picture as well. What, why doesn't he tell well, her that he's... he's already buff. I know How he's... much more buff can he get? I'm not well, expecting the actor here to... to noticeably change because I don't know how that would be possible because he's already super buff and anything more than that is going to become unhealthy. I think he could be buffer. I've, I've seen... Oh, do you? No, I'm just... I've seen pictures on Ryan's... Uh, yeah, on Ryan Prescott's social media before that he has been buffer than he was there in the past. People buff up for, like, the Marvel films, don't Not they? Not in a healthy way, I'm telling you. No, I think I think there, there may be a slight buffering... Maybe buffering, <laughs> buffering. That's what I'm doing. But I, I, it's one of those things. Like, is it? I wonder how much. Do you think that they can computer generate 
Probably. Even looking more buff. Probably, but I'm sure Ryan would be up for the challenge himself because he likes his keeping fit. I know, but it's, it's, I don't think you can make a big enough difference from somebody who already looks quite buff. You're right. I, I don't know how much, how different it's going to be, but I think... Maybe, well, but this is the same whenever they do anything like this with a character drastically changing their physical appearance. They can't really do it ethically because they can't ask the actors... And they also can't rely on the actors being able to do it because it's not always within any, everyone's control. No, I mean, we had the Craig storyline yeah. a few years ago, didn't we? And that was a direct result of Colson Smith deciding to do something about his fitness during well, the pandemic. Well, it would have been a lot more different because originally Colson, from what I remember of that short film that they made, he was intending for it to actually be a transformation storyline. Yeah, maybe. That's what I, I remember. remember. But then it had to be called off for the pandemic, and so we just end up suddenly seeing Grey going, yeah, I've been running this whole time. Yeah. Round and round and round. Somebody needs to come and give me a storyline like that to act out. Just say, Michael, just do it. Yeah, Stop somebody paid me £10 million, and they were like, you've got to be in the next Marvel film. Mm-hmm. Come on, Fatty, let's come on, see come what on. you... Here's £10 million, I'd say... Mm. I think I could manage that. I have been pigging out quite magnificently in the last week and a half in France, haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> and I've still Puddings got a Puddings bo- at every meal. It, there have breakfast. been plenty of puddings scoffed. Um, and I've still got big old boxes of chocolates from the end of term as well. So I might just get through those first. Oh, really? That's just, what I always... That's know, where I, I fall down. very grateful for those. First. Got to eat this first. Then I'll start the weight loss, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, um, so that was this week's, well, last week's Coronation Street. Um, Probably better get this episode out so people can find out what we thought of it before tomorrow's rolls along. Um, So, final thoughts. Um, I I thought it was a pretty decent week, to be honest. It was a good good week. There were good storylines. I found some of them um, iffy, like the premise, the premise incredibly iffy. And I don't really know what to say any more about that. Um, I'm... I think there are a lot of greys here, which is good. I'm really interested in ta- in how Stephen's going to exploit this situation with Sarah. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in where, really interested in where the Paul story goes down. Yeah. The Courtney one seems to be taking I a break now, but want... I'm very... Sorry. The, uh, the, 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 the stiff competition storyline, it's like, if it were to end here, fine, but it won't. It's, I still enjoyed seeing it. The only storyline this week that I was, like, not too fussed when it came on the screen was the Ryan one, I suppose. But it was still interesting in its own way. Yeah. When I found out it's going to, I mean, I assume it's going to be some kind of addiction storyline, isn't it? Because that's one of the things it says on the NHS website, very addictive. So I guess it's going to go down there, but the thought of that doesn't necessarily fill me with glee or anticipation but like, yeah why not um but yeah on the whole i was i was I enjoyed the week and we sat through you know three hours of it this afternoon boom 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 it wasn't and... a chore at all like sometimes even just watching one you're thinking oh yeah no no, no. i was like you, you you want to put the next one on don't you i know i want to find out what happens next so before we can do that we need a character of the week and what we score in it um i am going to score this week's coronation street i'm gonna say i'm gonna give it uh, three and a half parental permission forms coming out of glenda's backside <laughs> out of five and sorry if anyone's used that on our facebook poll already i've not checked i set up the poll last week i even made it rhyme for you despite not having seen the episodes um but yeah, that's what I'm going to give it. I don't know about my character of the week, so you'd give your score while I have a think. I am going to give this three and a half um, problematic affairs out of five. Okay, okay. Um, I, my character of the week is Stephen. 
Of course, I thought it would be. Because I don't know what he's up to again. Uh, I think he's great, and I'm glad he's back in the in the flat. Uh, up to his uh, evil tricks. He's left too many clues mm. lying about. He tore up the the Elaine's note, fake note, and put it in his bag. He's put all the the bits of paper under a folder, which is not very good hiding <laughs> places. So I trust him to a folder when his big red box. Yeah, now he can he can flagrantly have his red box out wherever he wants in that flat. Cause yeah, but Tim's broken the lock on it. I would have so. I would have changed the locks on the whole place. <laughs> Keep that bloody. Kid when you out. have a breakup, you got to change your locks. Yeah, that's the that's the Keep rules. Keep Tim out. Um, I don't want to just keep giving it to Stephen all the time, although, but he's to be fair, it probably clearly was. the best character. Sarah Louise was <laughs> entertaining this week. Um, yeah, she was Ardie good. was fun. Uh, Amy was great, standing up to Courtney. There were bits this week when... And, and where, Paul, Paul great as well. This, um, the, this week, I tell you... Uh, Tina O'Brien did some really good, like wide-eyed, sad Sarah <laughs> acting. Like Tina oh. O'Brien is such such a gem. Um, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go um, gonna go rogue this week, <gasps> just in case I don't get much of a chance in the future, and um, award this week's character of the week to Shelley. Yeah, just to make okay, a nice good. change. Good for um, her. She she was back on Monday. She was funny. Um, I mean, everything I've said about her already. I, I think it's a really interesting character to have to somebody that's that much further down the road than Paul. Not just not just inappropriately funny, but could also do the serious stuff well as well. And she was really thinking. good. She, she was, was really very, versatile. Very You're right. She could do everything. Absolutely brilliant casting mm. for that one. Yeah. So as uh, I, in a week that I could give it to lots of people, I'm going to give a oh, shout out I'd, to the little one. Wish I'd given give it, it to Shelley. Well, it's all right. Share it with me. Um, and that's it. So we're not going to do our news at the moment, even though there is some news this week. Um, we're not going to do our feedback. We're just going to get cracking with uploading it for you lovely people to listen to. And then um, probably have our dinner. Yeah, you, you might have dinner. Are you still feeling a bit rough? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I might have some dinner and watch Monday's Coronation Street. What am I? Find out what's going to happen at the gender reveal party and all that. So until um, Saturday morning, that's about it. So I'll see you then, everybody. Enjoy the few days that you got left of the week until we appear once more with episode five hundred and eighty-seven. Good. Oh, forgot to say, Gemma. Yeah, what? Where can people contact us if they um, want to get in touch with us in the next few days? We're on threads. We're on X. <laughs> can we just new. talk we about... said that a, little, go, a month ago. We go, to, we go to France for a week and a half and Twitter has... Gone. I, I don't think we can offer any commentary that hasn't already been offered up on many other podcasts, websites, social media channels, but what the heck, Elon, are you hey, listen, doing? If Elon Twitter? Musk wants some, if wants to pay us to do adverts to try to promote X and say why well, it's better than Twitter, I will take that money. You do an XXX advert. Yeah. Uh, just, there's so many things that are wrong with that renaming it. People are still calling it Twitter. What's going write... to happen with it? I still think, I think that people are just going to complain about it and then get on with it I, I'm oh, not sure life. that Threads is getting the momentum you know it had it was the quickest social media platform to get to however uh, 5 million 5 billion well, not 5 billion <laughs> a certain number of um, people signing up to it but we've not posted on Threads for two weeks whenever I look into it it's like these are a load of people that I don't know who they are on my on my timeline here I I don't know, it just feels like it's going to be, people are going to not want to move over to this new one, rebuild up their followers list again. I think they're just going to grumble and get on with X and maybe it'll be recalled Twitter again. 
looking at what people are saying about Elon, he's possibly not the sort of person to change his mind about things. People will probably just still call it Twitter, even though it's actually X. What do you think? Same. Well, there we go then. Stop trying to make X happen. It's happened, it's too late. It's just like, we were sitting at that restaurant on the first day in France, weren't we? And I was reading out to you, oh, Elon Musk is saying here that he's going to rebrand it as X and he'll do it tonight if somebody can come up with a decent placeholder logo for him. <laughs> the next day it was like, wow, it's happened. Change, everybody. Well. Well, it's just a sort of power trip, isn't it? Yeah. And he's been wanting to have this domain name, business name for yeah. I know he's it just makes me PayPal. When X, he was a li- when he was a little boy, he must have sat there and gone, "I'm going to be a businessman, and my business is going to be called X because X is the best and most coolest letter <laughs> of the whole alphabet." It reminds me of um, a Futurama episode, which, by the way, the new series seems quite good. Um, uh, Fry accuses Bender of um, blackmailing him, and Bender says, "I prefer to call it extortion. The X makes it sound more cool." Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's got, just that, isn't it? <laughs> I've got an X in my name, and that makes me cool. So. Exactly, you're the coolest one out of us too. Yeah, you? that's why we didn't change my name. Anyway, we are gonna go now. Oh, See hang you. on, oh, friends, no, Twitter, Facebook, Face, Patreon, uh, Patreon. Please feel free YouTube. to sign up. YouTube. Everywhere. Yeah, we, we we made a little extra video to go on. Our oh, there's a, there's going to be a YouTube video coming your way Soon. tomorrow. Just a short one, just yeah. a little one, and we'll, we we will be back with the street talk shorts um, tomorrow as well for those of you who Maybe enjoy we them. Will. We will love them. Right, goodbye everybody. Ta-ra. Yeah. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. <laughs> <laughs>